Loudspeaker Studios. Hi, I'm Kevin Von Esper, the director of The Life and Slimes of Dookie Flyswater and Haunted Garage, and you are listening to Talking Trauma with Zach Bynes. Surf Nazis must die! And welcome to episode 18 of Talkin' Troma with your host, me, Zach Bynes. The show where me and a special guest see who rules the beaches by watching a trauma movie and then pairing it with a non-trauma title for a fantasy double feature. But first, let me introduce my guest. He is a musician and filmmaker. He's currently in the Indiegogo stage for his documentary, The Life and Slimes of Dookie Flyswatter in Haunted Garage. Let me introduce to you... Kevin Von Esper. Bah, what's up? What's up? For for Sorry. those out there listening yes. who aren't familiar, that's a lot of information. Who aren't familiar on on who Dookie Flyswatter is, he's going to be a major part of this episode. Um, give a quick TLDR before we really uh, dig into to Dookie. Um, what's what's a what's a the on the street elevator pitch of who Dookie Flyswatter is? You know, it's funny because I this is a question I ask in all my interviews. Uh, I call it the elevator pitch. Um, Dookie Flyswatter is the an L.A. Hollywood weirdo horror, B-horror legend and splatter rock pioneer that you've never heard of. Yes. Until now. <laughs> until now. Or you may have seen him, but you didn't know it until we pointed out to you tonight. Exactly. <laughs> well, I like to always start to show off um, knowing knowing how you got into trauma movies. Like, what was your first trauma experiences? Um, that's a good question, because I did start watching <laughs> movies that were probably not for my age range <laughs> at the time. <laughs> you know, that's. And honestly, I can't remember exactly, but it probably was the movie we're going to talk about tonight, Surf Nazis Must Die, just because I was into Haunted Garage at, at a very young age and and I was collecting his movies and um, could have been that one. Uh, I don't know. Uh, trauma's kind of just always been a part of my life in some way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I met Lloyd Kaufman for the first time when I was in high school, so I'm, I was probably watching his movies in middle school. Tell, tell us about about that. How'd you? Why'd you meet Lloyd in high school? Um, it was at a chiller convention in New Jersey. It wasn't anything too special, but I got my picture taken with him. I was wearing a Haunted Garage shirt. I actually, I do have a picture of him, but it's not printed out. But what I do have is a picture from that day with Brink Stevens. Oh, nice. And you can you can see I'm wearing my haunted garage shirt. 
So, nice. <laughs> um, you know, many connections. You could say I, I, I'm just doing all the things I used to always do, but now I'm just doing it at a better and bigger scale. And bring Steven, she's in a few Dookie movies, but probably like the most famous of those ones would be like Nightmare Sisters. Nightmare Sisters featuring Honda Garage doing a soundtrack and Dookie as um, someone who gets his head ripped off in the first scene. Filmed just days after Sorority Babe and the, and the Slimeball Bolarama, which is the other classic with the three Scream Queens and Dookie is the voice of the imp. And, and if, if you're wondering what the Bring Stevens trauma connection is, is she oh. is in uh, two trauma movies called Mommy and Mommy 2, which were mm. shot on video, um, maybe made for TV. Uh, Patty McCormick, uh, you know, just psycho mommy. They're credited as sort of being um, like follow-ups to the bad seed. So Who directed those? Uh, I don't remember off the top. Well, of my it wasn't head. Fred Olin Ray. No, the Fred Olin Ray only, which we'll get to, but he only did okay. one trauma movie. So, well, well, we'll get to it when we yeah. get to it. When I was talking to you, um, it, it was cool because I found out like you've played in some punk bands and stuff, mm-hmm. um, such sure. as the Radioactive Chicken Heads. I woke up as a chicken head one day. I that's all I can say about it. <laughs> They um <laughs> and they did the theme song for my movie Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer, which um we went out to LA uh to film the music video for that. And Dookie Flyswatter was kind enough to show up and uh, be in the music video. So I got to direct yeah. Dookie for like one second in, in <laughs> character from his um Undead Kennedy's band, his yes. Dead Kennedy's tribute as zombies. <laughs> yes and then i i, I watched your movie on trauma now the other night awesome thank you yeah. i i'll, I'll uh, pay plug you plug trauma that. now <laughs> i'll pay you for saying that when we get off the <laughs> yes i'm getting one more contribution <laughs> awesome i hope i hope you uh i hope you dug it it's very trauma-esque i think <laughs> so. i i loved all the death scenes the most <laughs> those are my favorite parts awesome thank you well tell tell me more about some of these other bands that you've played in because they all yeah. seem to be in along with dookie's band haunted garage um there's I feel like a pretty unique to LA scene out there of like very theatrical costumed yeah. uh, bands that, that you've had dabbled in quite a few of them. Which is funny because I live in New York <laughs> and always have. Um, well, let me go all the way back to the beginning when I was a very young, probably nine or eight, maybe year olds in the, let's say 1992 i discovered green jello yes we all know green jello right from the three little pigs song is their big claim to fame or as people a lot of people remember them from the maximum carnage video game they did the soundtrack first band on a video game soundtrack these these guys were like my first love post you know nirvana as a as a preteen boy and little did i know but at the time, I was watching Dookie Flyswatter turn into the Shitman in the Misadventures of Shitman video. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, Shitman. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Alongside some guy named Danny Carey, who played in Green Jello at the time. But now he's in some band called Tool. You might have heard of them. They used to open for Haunted Garage, by the way, before they were number one on the Billboard charts. <laughs> So that's how it all started. And then I was just 
I I loved my green jello. And then the first next band I got into was Guar. You know, this is like I'm still like nine years old, probably yeah. getting into Guar. This is when Guar had only four albums out, guys. Now they have like 16. This was like baby Early. Guar as far as I thought they were had a lot, but compared to Green Jello, you know. Well, it's kind of kind of funny that you bring up Green Jello. So, like when I was working yeah. on Poultry Guys, we shot that in Buffalo, uh, New oh, York. Yeah, the origins. Of yeah, Green and Jell-O. I had no idea. And and uh, we were driving somewhere, and then one of the local guys, John Carius, um, who plays the peeper in uh, Poultry Guys, he mm-hmm. was like, he's like, hey, you see that sign? And it said Skajakwater. And he's oh, like, yeah. that's that's uh, based on Green Jelly wrote that fight of the Skajakwater song. It's on that Jack right there. <laughs> so it's yeah. like oh cool i had yeah. no idea <laughs> yes um green jello started in buffalo new york in 1981 before i was even born so they're, they predate any of these bands actually yeah. <laughs> they're they're fun and it's cool they're they're still going um because they just had that dvd put out by vinegar syndrome oh uh, i have it over ago. there i can't reach it but i have <laughs> if i use my jedi mind trick yeah. Well, quickly, I'll say the next band I got into was Haunted Garage, because once you find Guar and Green Jello, there it is. Yeah, the CD. Yeah, this was only released in, in Europe on vinyl, which is and look, I even have um, I even have it on cassette. Nice. Yeah, I don't have the long box, but I know there was one of those. When I was very young, I discovered the chicken heads via Green Jello and I started tape tr- talking to and tape trading like bootlegs with a carrot top. This is like, I was like in high school at the time, maybe even younger. We would take, you know, he would send me chicken heads uh, tapes and and guar stuff and haunted garage stuff. And so when Green Jello finally went on tour again in 2008, because they had only toured once in the 90s, um, I met up with them and I met them and I said, if you ever need a bass player, call me up. And just so happens they needed a bass player. And one day I woke up as a chicken head and I was living in a bus with Green Jello, the radioactive chicken heads and Rosemary's Billy Goat. And I was suddenly a part of all three of those bands. <laughs> so awesome. I, a New York uh, costume metal uh, fanatic joined some of my favorite bands like overnight and toured the country with them. That's awesome. I want to throw a, a quick plug for uh, my buddy's band, Balonium. Um, they Balonium. did. Yeah, they uh, did a song for Adam, um, Rock and Bowl, and and all that. But on their new album, they have Carrot Top from the Chicken Heads uh, doing some guest vocals. Oh, on, great. on one of the songs. So hell yeah, um, yeah. And you Ch- can you can hear Dookie Flyswatter on their newest album, Tales from the Coop. Yeah, he's a uh, Doctor Von Kluckenstein. That's correct. Right. And what's so funny about that character is this is some insider knowledge. But when I was on tour, I watched Bill Manspeaker from Green Jello pick out some odd and ends costume pieces from his, you know, collection. Yeah. And create that character backstage. And he just walked on stage one day introducing the chicken heads as their creator, Baron von Kleckenstein. <laughs> and I have it all on video. Um that's going to be another documentary. Uh, my 150 tapes from touring with Green Jello. But yeah, and now and then suddenly um, Dookie Flyswatter is is in the role and uh, interacting with 
Dr. Demento in music videos. <laughs> it's so surreal to see like kind of all the stuff I grew up watching like just mold together in the radioactive chicken heads videos right yeah yeah and like yep. like i introduced my kids to the chicken heads because yes, they're they're kid friendly and unlike haunted garage right yeah haunted garage not so much which maybe in a maybe in a couple years when they're right. like eight yeah. eight or nine yeah that's, get that's about when i started it yeah. exactly but the chicken heads they're they're just like a fun like kind of just ska punk band I, I think everybody right. should check them out and their music videos are any, so colorful. i can't say enough about the chicken heads i love the chicken heads and so how did oh i have to ask very quickly yeah about your movie was it inspired at all by uh sorority babes in the slime pole bolorama so so my movie adam the amazing zombie killer is uh, available on trauma now yes now. <laughs> it's a bowling horror comedy um they're I had seen uh, Sorority Babes, um, but I knew there wasn't a lot of bowling horror movies. Um, true. I I purposely... I don't know of any others, actually. There's a couple. There's one called okay. Gutter Balls, um, which is Pretty like good. a bowling slasher movie, and um, another one called Ah Zombies, which is zombies in a bowling alley, which I had no idea that thing even huh. existed until our movie came out. But <laughs> um, gotcha. I knew of Sorority Babes, uh, I did not, I purposely didn't watch it while I was writing or making the movie because I didn't want to uh, steal anything, um, but I watched it after and it's different. Yeah, I didn't think you did steal anything, but I was just wondering, you know, the bowling alley connection. It's, but it, it was always there in the back of my head when like, like if, you know, ever playing like at like New Beverly or something, which it never right. was a shot on video, but if it ever mm -hmm. was to do a double feature with sorority babes would be a dream come true. Maybe when the, the sequel is supposed to come out, if that's still happening. Adam 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh, I meant uh, Sorority Babes, but your movie too. Well, we'll, we'll do uh, the sequel for the double for both of the sequels. There you go. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, that Sorority Babes is a lot of fun. It's a, oh, yeah. It, it's a good one. And, uh, it's a real dumb like movie. A, like an like a imp, right? He's like the a voice genie. of the imp. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, can't make what? this shit up how did you get into filmmaking from from music um, into filmmaking i was always um into video editing you know i i was the first person in my high school to take video class four years in a row and um and i made a little short there called the night of the living dustbuster it's terrible don't ask me for it maybe i'll remake it one day but um Really, I don't really make films, but I have been a professional videographer and, and editor and photographer for the past 15 or so years because it turns out it's really hard to make money playing music. So professionally, <laughs> I went the other direction, although I still do music as well. Um, and for 15 something years, I lived in New York City and hustled my ass off as a video editor. And um, when the pandemic hit, I kind of didn't have any jobs anymore because they were all filming concerts and parties and generally being around people, right? And uh, so I thought it was a good time to start an internal project. And what would the perfect marriage of my professional life and my passions? And that would be the life and slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage. Mr. Dookie Flyswatter and the Haunted Garage! If you took 80s slasher movies and put it in a blender with metal and punk rock, you're gonna get Haunted Garage. Dookie and his crew were almost like making horror movies. Horror punk. 
but the gag is you're in the splash zone. There was this real fervor at the time about shock rock, how bad it was for the kids. I look over and I see Dookie with his arms on fire. The flashes from the rear end. He got brain surgery live on stage. That was the raw stuff. You walk out of there feeling like you've maybe left the planet for a little while. Their legacy is they were unique. They did things that weren't being done, and they did things that were outside of people's comfort zones. Dukey was always just ahead of his time on that. But it really rocked hard. I mean, he had really good musicians in the band. We didn't want it to be only this deep. We wanted to be this deep. It's Haunted Garage. That's the whole point of taking things too far. He's an icon of the underground exploitational genre. Punk rock god of Hollywood. G.G. Allen, but fun. He's like a friendly vampire. He was L.A.'s Peter Lorre. <laughs> you need somebody in a movie, that's the guy that you want. He puts everything he's got into it. He made his whole life his art. I think that the whole world should know about it. The life and slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage. Indiegogo campaign out now. DookieDoc.com. D-U-K-E-Y-D-O-C.com. So you hit me up on Instagram and you said, hey, I'd be interested in coming on your show. I'm making this Dookie Fly Swatter documentary. And right there I was sold. I was like, somebody's making a documentary on Dookie Fly Swatter. I um, knew you would like it. I like knowing knowing him from, you know, being introduced by the chicken heads and then they, them telling me about Haunted Garage. You're part of the legacy. It's kind of crazy. Like I was geeking out in my head when we directed him for like one and a half seconds. Yeah. On set. <laughs> like it, like he shows up and we're like, okay, act like you're talking on a cell phone. Perfect. Oh, now go. I heard there's, I heard there's some, we can't hear what he's saying, but I heard it was pretty funny. Yeah, it, it was. I. Hmm. You remember what I, he was talking I'm about? I'm trying to think. I will. Let Maybe me. Maybe that was an insider from the carrot top. It it probably it it was funny. Like he he was being pretty funny because we were all laughing offset. <laughs> but we had such um we we had a flight to catch back to Denver. So and Dookie was pretty early in the day, and we had tons left to shoot. So so mm-hmm. I remember like we're like all right, let's shoot this. We bought a bunch of lights at Home Depot on my credit card, and then we had uh, one of my friends return them at the end of the day, saying we didn't right. actually need them, so yeah. <laughs> we could get all our money back. That's but, DIY uh, filmmaking right there. That's that's one of the tricks. If you have a credit card, buy your lights at Home Depot at the beginning of the day, and at the end of the day, return them. You'll get your money back, but you already got to use the lights. And it's Home Depot, so who cares? Or major life hacks here on Talking Trauma. <laughs> I'll I'll have to look in uh, my archives and see if I can find the footage. Oh yeah, that would if, be great. If I can find that footage, I'll send it to you, and maybe you can use it in the documentary. Yes, that would if, love if that. it still you. if it still exists. Um, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. And that's it, part of my goal in this is to dig all this stuff out of the well. In your case, hard drives, but mostly people's closets and garages and storages. For all this stuff that would be otherwise lost to time. Well, it's kind of funny because um, I'm pretty sure we shot, because this is early enough in the HD days that we didn't have access to an HD camera. So I think we shot that on mini DV. Well, I can convert those if you need me to. I Let me let me look around. I can, uh, I will find, I'll, I'm sure I save everything. So yeah, I'm sure, me, I'm me sure I have the... <laughs> If you're, yeah, if you're a filmmaker, you know to save everything. Yeah, <laughs> but so we shot super fast. We're like, all right, Dookie, go get go get changed. And he came back 
and in his zombie makeup and we're like all right we a zombie and i was like man that's fucking mangla in our music video how mangla <laughs> well what a good segue that is yeah <laughs> well i want to talk more about this documentary okay. so going but, back going back like what made you want to do dookie fly swatter um because it is yeah. something not a lot of people have ever you know been ex- exposed to Yes, well, that is exactly why I want to do it because I need to expose the world to Dookie Flyswatter. It's uh, it's this this film is not really for the people who already know because if you already know, you're probably already a part of this thing. This is for the people who don't know about Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage, and it's gonna blow your fucking mind. You know, this is and people ask me why would you make a documentary about someone that you I've never heard of. I'm like, well, you never heard of the Tiger King either, and you watched how many hours of that shit yeah <laughs> so i'm calling this the well I'll, I'll mend it for this show i'll say the uh tiger king of trauma now <laughs> <laughs> i usually say say shutter but for this episode you know exactly <laughs> yeah so this is for you like if you've definitely seen this guy even if you are my mother like you have watched the bodyguard and he's an extra in the bodyguard so subliminally you've seen dookie flyswatter before if you've seen the serial killer video from green jello you've seen dookie flyswatter if you've seen any of these b-horror movies that we're talking about you might not know it but you've seen dookie flyswatter and the band they were probably the arguably the most unique i don't know they were part of the unique culture of all these um, weird bands doing things at the same yeah. time like green jello and guar and, and they all started separately but they found each other because of their similarities but the thing about haunted garage is not only were they an amazing show um which which was a little bit scarier than guar just because they weren't characters they were being themselves and it was just presented as a, as a freak show like you don't know if you're gonna get the fake blood and you, or if you're going to watch Dookie pierce himself and you're going to see some real blood, you don't know. Yeah. So, you know, and then when that chainsaw starts on stage, that's very shocking in a, in a enclosed space, you know, a small club. You, people have never really seen anything like that before. Somebody made a documentary about green jello and somebody made a documentary about Guar. So I'll take the haunted garage one. <laughs> I mean, the, I feel like it's that's my joke with uh, Dookie, though. It's it's it seems like there's a lot more levels than than you could have with like a green jello documentary yeah, because it's i mean his film i was always career. most fascinated about them as much as i love all those bands and i do trust me you that's my guar cave over there that's that's a whole nother podcast yeah but <laughs> i have a i have a scum dogs tapestry that's signed by uh jizz mac and odorous nice there yeah, what, so, doing blood on poultry guys i was like i just gotta make this feel like a guar movie so, yeah and i hear that. dave brocky almost played the toxic avenger once i i'm really trying hard to find somebody at trauma just to see his audition tape but he was, was like oh, yeah so he auditioned for the toxic avenger and citizen toxie yes and um but i think it was like when he was going through some um court-ordered rehab so he just couldn't yeah couldn't something swing like it. that but it was some bullshit it wasn't anything personal yeah it's too bad though in some uh a version of the multiverse uh odorous urungus is the toxic avenger and that's i mean cool. he kind of kind those of those characters are very <laughs> similar in ways uh, yeah 
They're big, dumb monsters, you know. <laughs> and another thing I always felt about Haunted Garage is, in a way, they kind of remind me of the band Anvil, where right. they're super influential on these huge bands like Metallica. Anvil was for Metallica and like Megadeth, and Haunted Garage was for like Guar and Green Jello. Like, well, I that's what I thought going into this. Um, I would say from my discovery of talking to everybody, they're more, they should be recognized as being on the forefront of, of shock entertainment and, and like horror show entertainment. They didn't necessarily influence these people who already had these concepts in their mind already, but they were definitely doing it first and they should be recognized for it. And, and, and unlike Anvil who kind of had an upswing with the, you know, this is kind of just a comedy of errors. This is a story of a band that didn't make it when they really should have, and all their peers did. The Guard made it, Green Jello made it, Tool made it, White Zombie made it, you know, L7, all these bands that used to open for them. If they had lasted one more year, I think they would have done it. But it was just a comedy of errors. So this is kind of the anti-story. And and I think this could expose Haunted Garage and Dookie Flyswatter to more people than was ever possible in the past because of the viral internet and streaming. One, one thing I always wanted to know was, um, so I'll tell you, you see um, Dookie credited as Michael Sonny quite yes. a bit. And which is his good, uh, good job on the pronunciation. I, yeah, I was, I was totally um, looking at it, trying to figure out how to, how to, um, how to say it. And then I heard, somebody in a different interview <laughs> yeah yeah that's how i knew it. i've actually never heard him say his own name um his real name so, so where where did the name dookie flyswatter come from yeah well um that came from so the original original version of haunted garage see this is i'm going to show the back of possession park uh vinyl this is the classic lineup that we all know but Except for Dookie, these are actually all not original members of Haunted Garage. They started in 1985 as a band that they were more of like a garagey, bluesy band. They weren't really punk rock at all. And they would play covers of, of bad movie theme songs. So they would play like the Green Slime and Mothra and, and uh, the theme from Satan's Sadists, which much later in the 2000s, tens glenn danzig would would later cover so that's awesome. but anyways yeah and that's a, all... and that's a movie that trauma put out at one point the satan sadist so oh, really is yeah. it on is it on trauma now no um oh. so that that movie is directed by al admonson and yeah, i've actually never seen it and i'm like a psh, I'm, I'm a terrible fan for not having seen it's it. it's a, just like a fun like biker movie yeah yeah um but they trauma put that out I want to say in the late nineties on DVD, mm -hmm. they got the rights to all of Al Edmondson's movies and they put it out, but they sensed um, don't have the rights anymore, but there's a really good Al Edmondson. Damn, box I might set. need the rights to that song at some point. <laughs> there, there's a good box set though. Um, I think maybe Severin put it out. Okay. Of yeah. I need to get that. All Edmondson movies. Gotcha. Right. So the name Dookie Flyswatter came from the original incarnation of Haunted Garage when they were, they wanted to go by, you know, silly monikers and Dookie wanted to be like um, he was influenced by uh, Escape from New York. You know, the Duke. Um, who was that? Um, Isaac Hayes. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. 
he, he was like, that's the Duke of New York. I want to be the, the Duke of L.A. And his band member said, yeah, but people are just going to call you Dukey. And he's like, well, not if I call myself Dukey first. Then the other band member walks in and he says, what would be a good name to pair with Dukey? And he just said, Flyswatter. And thus he became Dukey Flyswatter from then on. This was probably in 1986 or so. That's Maybe awesome. 1985. How would you describe Haunted Garage's uh, sound? Well, like I said, origin the original, original stuff, which for the first time you can hear on my Indiegogo campaign, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, they were very bluesy, like kind of like a loungy garage band. But by the time any of the Haunted Garage that you would ever have heard from the late 80s and the early 90s, they had kicked it up a bunch. They had discovered the misfits and they kicked it up a, a whole ton. So it's just very high energy, not even totally heavy metal, not totally punk rock, but just like really high energy, hard rock that tinges on both of those other genres. Um, wild guitar solos, uh, crazy bass player. I mean, the musicians are top of the fucking line. That's what yeah. I want to definitely get across as much as you see crazy shit happening on stage the musicians were solid and they made some really great songs just like really good hooks not very screamy you know just kind of uh sleazy i guess in a way yeah but not not i mean they they shared the sunset strip with the uh the hair bands but they were a little bit more in the gutter let's so to speak yeah <laughs> was that is that a good accurate description you think? I, I would say so the revival band that came back in um 2013 did this album slender man that came out last year these guys the revival guys credit to them they they uh really played up the more like chunky heavy metal aspects of it yeah they definitely got a little more uh just like kind of melty face melty guitar solos in the yeah, new yeah. the new yeah. version but there sure. it's still just as fun as like lyrically. Oh, yeah, and all it's that. all fun from 1985 to 2021. It's all good. I was bummed that I missed the the last haunted garage show. And I, I don't want to, I'm sure I'm sure you're covering it in the documentary with, uh, with the the brain surgery. Oh, that was not the last oh, one. that wasn't <laughs> the last one. No, while I was in LA last summer, I convinced them to do one last show at um Green Jello Studios, where um, I don't know if you know about this, but Bill has converted his living room into a full multicam production studio. And he does this three hour free YouTube web streaming show every Saturday. It's actually on right now, um, <laughs> WTF-TV.com. Um, he's been doing it for over a year every night. And I convinced Haunted Garage while I was in town to do one final performance and it was streamed live on the internet um full circle back with the green jello and just so happens the other featured band that they double booked for that night was the dwarves That's so it awesome. was just it was insane because that room probably only fits 20 people comfortably <laughs> so <laughs> you could imagine that's crazy yeah one of the crazier like live shows i've ever been to was was the dwarves they just yeah, like destroyed yeah. all their equipment on stage. And oh, you walk. saw one of those old school dwarf shows. Yeah, they they just yeah they're a little everything. bit more professional these days. But 
a little bit it although as as professional as the dwarves could ever be <laughs> well they can actually be very professional they are super tight and like they i gotta defend um their studio output is top-notch like the best kind of production oh yeah um, you know the guy who used to produce their records and kind of taught black to do it himself is the guy who does like smash mouth and on all those hits you know it's like they really you know they use josh freese as a studio drummer like they're actually very professional but just in the tech technical side on the on the subject matter side it's it's extremely unprofessional yeah <laughs> i as a presentation though they don't they don't do the smashing instruments and starting fights so much anymore because uh because you know what they wouldn't get paid for their show anymore if they did yeah that. back then it didn't really matter they were probably playing for beer money anyways they're so much fun if another one of those bands if anybody gets a chance to see the doors you've got to yeah yeah definitely i catch them every time i can and it was awesome because black from the doors was actually my first interview that i did for the documentary because he came to play in new york doing his acoustic guitar thing ronnie champagne he calls it and um and then I, it just so happens that i would see him again at the the last haunted garage show we didn't even plan that um, but they played together a very infamous show back in 1991. The Dwarves actually played the release party for this album, Possession Park. And during that show, um, they had brought some extra lights and stuff to spruce it up. And um, it just got way too hot on stage, I guess. There's, there's conflicting reports, whether it was exhaustion or electric shock, but Johnny Ho, the guitar player of Haunted Garage, passed out on stage and had to be dragged off stage. The show ended and they had to get the paramedics to come and the paramedics show up and they see, you know, an audience drenched in blood and this naked band on stage. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're like, no, 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 the, the, the emergency is upstairs. <laughs> yeah, no, and of the course, the naked band was the dwarves he who cannot be named <laughs> that's right well i think they all used to be more naked back then too usually their bass player is nick oliveri everyone knows from you know queens of the stone age and stuff like that but i guess he was unavailable for this show at green jelly studios with haunted garage this past summer so they actually had their original original bass player well, playing and that was just like even better for me as a fan that's he awesome. wrote all those classic songs with him you know that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was like a little bummed I didn't get to meet Nick Oliveri, but fuck that. I saw the original, like half of the original dwarves playing in front of me. That's so that's so fun. <laughs> yes. And so you have Indiegogo going mm -hmm. right now for Indiegorgor. Indiegorg. Campaign. Like that <laughs> Emphasis on pain. <laughs> going for um haunted garage uh your haunted garage documentary yes so tell us a little bit about that like what are what sure what are you trying to how far are you trying to go <laughs> to cleveland right. i stole that joke from guar um <laughs> uh yes i have an indie gorgor campaign going on for the life of and slimes of dookie flyswatter and haunted garage um i basically have self-funded this all myself so far and i have over 40 interviews i've i've um archived probably at least 100 tapes and i've kind of hit my limit on budget because i am a broke new york artist and this is a grassroots diy passion project 
nobody's backing me from the corporate side or anything in, in even the band like i have their full cooperation with this but it is an independent project that i've started just by myself uh, i have a couple co-producers but i'm doing all the heavy lifting myself editing shooting everything and um i know this is going to take some money to finish including like licensing clips and fuck just lawyers doing contracts is like the most expensive thing for me so far that was more expensive than traveling you know um yeah so yes please help me out i'm not you know my goal for this campaign is ten thousand, but beyond would be great um i am going to decide what i can do with it as as soon as i know how much i will be getting you know and uh yeah please just support i got some cool perks if you're a haunted garage fan um a lot of people just want to thank you in the credits that's been the the most popular one so far uh, i just got some stickers five dollars i'll send you a sticker how cool is that from riotstickers.com uh, and if you if you're really broke can't even spend five bucks just share it man like one of your friends is gonna like uh, dig this stuff yeah no, you can do that for free <laughs> support yeah. independent cinema don't give up the fight for truly independent cinema that's right yes <laughs> well and one of and the, lloyd kaufman will be in this documentary it's kind of funny so we've been talking about recording for a while now <laughs> yeah and then you're like oh i'm gonna be recording with lloyd soon and i was like well let's wait for that it's like oh i got postponed pushed twice <laughs> and the second time it's because he had covid so ah, yeah so the like, day he caught covid i imagine or got tested positive for it, it was the day we were going to interview him so yeah we're or just the like, day out day before or something <laughs> like that we're just like ah fuck it we'll we'll record yeah. our episode now <laughs> but just so you know when Co lloyd's better like he's in new york i just i can just drive right up to to tromaville studios and and we will be getting that interview to talk about drum roll please do you want to do it <laughs> Well, well, actually, first, I want to yes. talk about one of the one of the perks that you are giving me sure. part of uh, exclusive to. Oh, right. Yes. Let's talk about that. That's a perfect segue. Yes. Um, so so you were you were like, hey, I have an exclusive for you. Uh, would you be interested in uh, playing part of this Haunted Garage song? I want you to tell your over the last, uh, I don't know probably almost a year ago now, Dookie sent me his archive of tapes in two gigantic boxes. There was um, just probably at least 50 to 100 VHS tapes, cassettes. There was a beta tape that I had to get spe like special service transferred for me. Um, all sorts of stuff going back to the 1985 and even a couple things from before that. And these were these are, unless you were insider, with the group at the time like nobody has ever heard this stuff demos from all lineup all different lineups of the band including the very original and one of the gems i found was an acoustic it's only acoustic demo on it sounds like it was just taped on a tape recorder just yeah. sitting on a table you know old school 80s style of a song called master wave are, you, are, we, are we ready to get canceled tonight? Because we're gonna, we're gonna get canceled tonight. It's a song written for "Surf Nazis Must Die," in which Dookie Flyswatter is a main character. Yes. It never got used, but this and many other treasures and other songs they wrote for movies that we'll get into later um, 
have been found and also including the one they did get in the actual movie their soundtrack for nightmare sisters which has never been released which is just insane to me i found i i'm going to assume is the master cassette mix down from the session um and that is also available there's different tiers of getting of demo packages on the indiegogo gorgor campaign and man like this is even if you're just into the horror b horror side of this this whole thing these are unheard gems yeah and when i when i heard you sent me the song and when i heard it it um the demo reminded me a lot of like gg allen's carmelita uh that he played just you could tell gg came... allen but fun is what robbie wrists calls dookie flyswatter I... robbie wrists from the undead kennedys <laughs> and also michelangelo from the teenage mutant ninja turtles movies <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> well i think i think uh we should play uh a clip of Let's master wave said that that was recorded in 1985 or when was that recorded the, yeah I, there's it's not dated but the tapes that it is um that i found it on are performances and recordings from 1985 or 1986 it's definitely one of, you know in that era that's awesome the original I, original haunted garage was such a treat to hear especially like you could picture Mangala playing that song around the campfire. I am going to get into that once we finally get into the movie. <laughs> There's There are some missed opportunities of this movie, and I want to point out all of them. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I think into that, let's dive into Peter George's 1987 surfploitation, Nazi exploitation, black exploitation, classic surf Nazis must die. Sometime in the near future, a major earthquake will lay waste to the entire California coastline. From out of the rubble will rise a menace far more terrifying than the death and destruction. Surf Nazis. Who rules the beaches? Who rules the surfers? The beautiful beaches, once the crown jewels of California, are now ruled by ruthless gangs. Gangs are ruled by the surf Nazis. Surf Nazis must die. Adolf, 
Ava, Mengele, Hook, Smeg, and the rest of their evil Reich. Something must be done to stop them because surf Nazis must die. They're slaughtering the samurai surfers. They're devastating the designer wave. The beaches are no longer safe to hang around. Surf Nazis must die. Welcome to California, where the beaches have become battlefields and the waves are a war zone. Only one person is powerful enough, daring enough, brave enough to stop them. Only one person can ensure that surf Nazis must die. She's tough. I want to buy a gun. interested in something that take the head off a honky at 20 paces. She's dangerous. She's all woman. She's Leroy's mama. And as long as she's alive, the surf Nazis must die. First, there was the road warrior. Then there was the Terminator. Now comes an action film of relentless excitement. Lavishly produced by Robert Janelle. Stylishly directed by Peter George. Surf Experience the passion of perverted romance. Know the evil of mankind's greatest villains. And taste the violent revenge. Taste some of Mama's home cooking, Ada! See the film that is creating a tidal wave of action all over the world. See, Surf Nazis Must Die. This is what Lloyd Kaufman has to say about Surf Nazis Must Die in his book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. One of the most beloved and indeed best trauma films by Peter George, director of Troma's Young Goodman Brown. It takes place in the near future where a major earthquake has destroyed the California coastline. Don't we New Yorkers wish? A black kid is killed by the surf Nazis and his big fat pistol packing mama starts a war along the California beaches, taking revenge on every Nazi gut, throat, face, and crotch she can find. Too much, dude. A film by the Institute. I don't know what whoever that means, they are. I don't I remember, know. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched watched the movie and I saw a film by the Institute. I was like, "Oh, that's cool." I know, right? Like, <laughs> I, I I expected, I would have expected to hear more from the Institute, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like, yeah, you know, the director uh, Peter George. He has one other trauma movie, um, the Young Goodman Brown. And it's a I family it. film. I haven't oh. seen it either, but I... Because I it's even, a family film. <laughs> right. Well, and I just don't think I realized that he made that movie um, until mm. I was researching this. So now you need when to see that. that made? Um, a bunch of people from Surf Nazis um, went to work on, on Young Goodman Brown. Um, that makes sense. In 1993. <laughs> so about seven or eight years after surf nazis so i wonder if that one also has an opening card of film by the institute I, now i have to is it on that. trauma now that one i don't believe so uh so that movie was Boy, put get out. on it everyone wants to see the, the movies <laughs> by the institute yeah there is a huge rabid young goodman brown fan base that's right yeah there. you heard it first um yeah they it was put out under their 50th street films banner um, which was their their family thing just to 
to kind of you know get other people's eyes on their probably their most notable movie under the 50th street banner was um my neighbor totoro they were the first uh Whoa, company wow, really? yeah trome was the first company in america to distribute that movie and then disney hijacked the film and and threatened to sue trauma and had mickey mouse <laughs> Uh, go sodomize Toxie and Mickey versus Toxie. That's a movie I want to see. <laughs> That's the, the the film that Walt Zombie does not want you to watch. And Walt Disney plays a frozen uh, Nazi and uh, surf Nazis must die. I have it on good authority. <laughs> One thing I like to do is I like to see what other trauma stuff anybody in the the cast happened to do um, on mm-hmm. surf Nazis. So Peter George did Young Goodman Brown. Um, the producer Robert Tunnell. Um, also worked on Young Goodman Brown, and he directed a segment in Grindsploitation. Hmm. Um, also in Grindsploitation. We'll, we will get, yeah. You want to just do it now? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do it now. Hamburger. Vice, yeah, Hamburger the Rapist, directed by Caleb Emerson, who is on the Blood Sucking Freaks episode. Um, and and it's a teaser trailer, but Dookie plays Hamburger the Rapist. <laughs> yeah, at, C, at CIA, Carl Cruz CIA. Yeah, and CIA... And, and, Everybody, and Lloyd Kaufman is cut in, probably filmed in New York. <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, a few of the other uh, trauma connections I found was um, was Dawn Wildsmith. Uh, she played Eva. Um, she was a singer in Merchants of Death, um, and she was a fortune-telling client in Nerds of a Feather, and she played Selena in the Fred Olin Ray film, Wizards of the Demon Sword. Yes, of course. We will discuss more about her later for sure. Uh, she used to be married to Fred Olin Ray. So that, that would explain and why I, she's in a bunch of his movies. From what I from what I understand, Dookie introduced them. Oh, that's awesome. Probably from from uh, around this time. Yeah, well, we I do have some history we'll get into. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh Helen Kelly, uh, she plays Girl on the Beach, um, and she was in the trauma film Club Life and in Student Confidential. Um, Good for and, her. One of the few women in this film. <laughs> right. There's another uh, thing I'm going to talk about. There's three? Maybe? There's like three women in this whole film, and not yeah. counting Mama Washington. I'm yeah. talking about beach babes and stuff. <laughs> in a beach movie, there is very few not many beach babes. Beach babes of either gender. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, we have then, Jesus. I would say he. Yeah. Beach bum. <laughs> um, and Adolf, he plays a medical examiner in Maniac Cop Two, oh, and wow. then a bunch of the the sound. Uh, people worked on Young Goodman Brown and Maniac Cop 2 and uh, Club Life um, and they it, the most successful people in this film were on the sound crew of <laughs> Surf Nazis well, <laughs> I guess that makes sense <laughs> right there's it costume. sounds great this is a great sounding movie guys <laughs> there's a everything else about the, it uh, <laughs> let's see um, and then um, so yeah, let's uh, kind of get into the movie. One are different versions of the movie, I should say. So there, really? Troma always talked about having a director's cut yeah. that was longer. That's that's just like a line that Lloyd says about a lot of films, though. <laughs> but it's so hard to say because because there is uh, from just from my vast collection of all the trauma stuff, there always is. Oh, well, maybe this DVD is slightly longer, and this, mm. but. Troma is pretty notorious for not cataloging stuff correctly. So different that. versions get put out. 
um, weird, but on the Troma Blu-ray, there's a, a podcast uh, for the Projection Booth That's podcast. Right. Which we both totally listened to on the Blu-ray, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> not uh, sped up on Spotify. No, but, not at all. Um, the interv- I like the interview that they had with Peter George in there. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the that there actually is no director's cut, even though the DVD and the trauma VHS are marketed that way. Yeah. He's, he said he found some, you know, just extra shots uh, that didn't have sound and he, right what's up sound department right yeah come on guys those deleted scenes um so he recorded some commentary over those and uh they you put them see as them special here. yeah they're on they're on uh actually the trauma the trauma releases and yeah um even the Which, the vhs <laughs> i don't have the vhs that's one of my holes in my collection there's but, a there are a few there's so there I bet there is the the Troma's collectors edition nice. uh, VHS and uh, media films uh, they did the very first United States VHS of the movie um, I also have I have a Australian wow. uh, VHX rental VHS which is kind of fun that's um, cool I don't know how I didn't get that one um, I guess by the time I was collecting those movies. It was probably one of the early ones that they put out on DVD. It was in their first run. Yeah, that would make sense then, because this came out in like 1998. So that makes sense. Yeah, that was Um, in their first. Which when I when I started this project and I was reviewing my materials, I discovered that this DVD did not work at all anymore. So I bought a replacement uh, from Trauma's website and it's actually a different edition. So, so how about that? I, I can tell you the difference between those editions yeah, on there you, is you, they you, have all of the same. One stuff. of them works. <laughs> <laughs> one of one of them's not scratched, uh, but they don't have the rights for all the trailers um, that were on the first DVD. Some of those movies, they don't have the rights. Well, they don't work anymore, anymore if you have it. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't even. But if you go to the trailer page, if it exists on that disc, um, mm-hmm. they, they will have like red X's through some of the the trailers in which is uh, pretty funny sometimes they just make the trailer page not even work yeah those there, later there editions <laughs> um well, and i just got that probably late last year before i knew that this was even going to come out uh this came out in february so it just popped up out of nowhere and there's another blu-ray i don't have it um the european one right yeah it's put out by 88 films with the better cover what is this cover guys <laughs> i'm not a fan of you know what who has where, a good cover is where the, is my um, dude with a machine gun on a surfboard that doesn't exist in the mo- in movie at all <laughs> the the cover and the chainsaw going through the fucking surf i i have a movie post like a full-size movie poster for surf nazis in what movie. a great image should have been in the movie missed opportunity guys <laughs> I, number one i don't know if peter george and them had the foresight of knowing how cool that imagery could be <laughs> right well i don't think they had a lot of foresight for for a lot of this but um the there's a good dvd version yeah that's out there that from arrow video um and they they pour over a lot of um special features from the trauma discs but they also have Is like there any booklet. exclusive one on the not on there but when i was when i was looking into to it and i'm mad that i didn't buy the 88 films one yet it's going to be in my collection soon but mm-hmm. there is a, a interview with uh, the actor who plays smeg 
um, oh, on the the eighty eight films blue. What an exclusive, guys! I know it, we got got to hear got to hear what Smeg has to say. That's right. I, I do, so I could just be let Smeg this. talk. <laughs> so, um, and do you have you uh, picked up the Surf Nazis uh, vinyl soundtrack? No, it's, I have not. It's amazing. That's like that, that, I love that song though. It's uh it's just a fun uh vapor wave, you know, score um by John. You know what it's missing though? Master Wave by Haunted Garage. I do you missed opportunity number two. Have you talked to Dookie about why they didn't um use that song at all? I asked him and I don't think he gave me much insight into it. (laughs) He's like, I didn't even remember. (laughs) Yeah, probably somewhere like that. Yeah, exactly. It was um, it was an insignificant story, unfortunately. We got really got to talk to Peter George about that. Yeah, why they didn't use any probably budget because they'd have to put the band in a studio. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because um listening to the interviews, which it's unfortunate that as you know, as far as recording this podcast, there's not a director's commentary for, I know. for the What's movie. Up with that, Lloyd? Um, and it sounds like he wants to do one. Um, so I might have to that track was, him down yeah. and try to get him to r- record one anyways. You know, I'd, I'd love to get one from Dookie too. And maybe that's something I could do next summer is get him to record some commentaries and release them. That would be, that'd be a good indie, Indiegogo. Uh, I know. I know. Maybe I would, I would like maybe to hear I'll have another uh, nightmare sisters. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then originally the title of the movie was just called surf Nazis um and yes and in lloyd's book all i need to know about filmmaking he talks about um why they changed the title oh, i have that over there it's out of my reach <laughs> it's a good book uh, it is written, a good book written by james gunn mostly it talks about when they when they got the movie they didn't want people to think that they were pro-nazi so he's like we got to add the must die which it is that's probably a good idea (laughs) genius trauma things because surf nazis must die is probably in the top 10 of the best sounding titles and i would say the only reason this movie gets talked about today (laughs) it's i don't know i i love this movie although on but it's not a good movie it's a uh, it's a legitimately pretty bad movie (laughs) i don't know I've seen a lot of bad movies, and this one That's doesn't true. even crack the <laughs> crack the seal of. It's uh, okay, but it, let's just say it is a movie that has a great, great title. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does have. I well, and it's funny on the on the other podcast I was listening to about this. That's on the trauma disc. Um, they they say maybe it's to the movie's detriment that the title is as good as it is because something like that yeah that's one way the movie might not live up to the expectations of that title or if you've seen other like other lloyd movies yeah it's it's not not as as outrageous but i feel like in 2022 that surf nazis could definitely grow a new set of legs because it it definitely plays like in the sort of a24 like kind of like slow it slow, says reboot, uh, reboot. That's that's my final note on this movie. It, it would be a fun reboot. It's the I, perfect I, time. It's the perfect climate. Can you believe we're still battling Nazis in 2022? 
Exactly. Well, real quick, I want to play an audio clip of, of Peter George talking about the idea and origins of the movie. It started with was I had an idea, which was that there would be a really tough ghetto grandmother who would um, take revenge on a gang who attacked uh, her uh, nursing home. And uh, the original thing was sort of an inner city type of idea, the um, gang type of movie. And then uh, it came across the idea of the gang being the surf Nazis, and that changed everything. Uh, the, you know, the story went in a very different direction while still maintaining the basic revenge scenario. Uh, the idea about the surf Nazis came as I took up surfing. I just moved down to the beach and uh, the, I was uh, harassed by some local surfers and this and that and um, I, the ter the t you know, I heard the term surf Nazi and um, I thought yes that's it that would be the perfect adversary for a um, you know Mama Washington, a tough, you know, ghetto grandmother. The term surf Nazi has been around since perhaps the late 50s to, uh, it, it was sort of a weird cult thing that developed uh, along with surf movies and uh, the way surfers looked back then, of course, was that real short bristle waxed um, hair. I mean, they kind of looked like Nazis back then. And the term surf Nazi was sort of a really diehard surfer. That's what it described. The film takes this one step further in that uh, these surfers are into the ideology, um, which is something that uh, I don't think outside of maybe wearing some iron crosses or something that the old timers were. About that time we were, I was making a road trip with John Ayer, a friend of mine who is a screenwriter, and we began talking about the idea on the road trip, and that was sort of the genesis of the script. Uh, about a week or two after we got back was um, when, when uh, he began writing the script and I laid out all the ideas I had about it and so forth, which was the, um, you know, putting these two ideas, one a very, you know, tough black um, grandmother versus this surf Nazi gang and all the things you could do with it. Uh, then the idea, John came up with the idea of putting it into a post-apocalyptic era, which um, I'm very glad we did. It certainly is something that's been done in a number of other movies, but I believe that the, this movie might have been a little bit harder to um, stomach had it taken place in the present. So it added a certain um, fantasy element which gave you a distance from the um, rather terrifying reality of a neo-Nazi uprising. Well, let's, um, let's kind of go, go through the, the story of Surf right. Nazis Must Die. So it starts out with Adolf talking to a bunch of children on the on yeah. the beach with you know arguably one of the most iconic uh set of you know phrasing from the whole movie like goofy footers are an inferior breed always lead with your left foot who rules the beaches surfers rule who rules the surfers yeah. surf nazis and then i just wonder where these children are now and how they feel I, about this that's like the only thing that was that. going through my mind i'm like these are grown-ass adults with normal jobs and here they are on screen with swastikas on their head although here's a question i have some of the swastikas are going the wrong way so like surf Nazis all... can't figure it out like they're they're they got to get organized here and and uh, there's extra points on the swastikas yeah well, i the my my thought behind that was um how many like like just diy 
punk venues have you been to where there's some shithead who thinks he's a Nazi, but is too drunk to remember how to paint the fucking swastika? Well, that's that's the joke from the Guar song, right? Yeah. Always to the left, never to the right. <laughs> right. I mean, the Serb Nazis could have taken a note from that because th- their swastikas are just all over the place in this movie. Yeah. Extra, extra legs and and they're flip flopping. I yeah no I I was thinking the same thing when I was watching this like what like what are those kids like thinking now like especially like in the last like couple years or so yeah where where they're like oh yeah I'm in a movie and then like they're like oh god I better delete all those pictures of me with swastikas off my face exactly right yeah (laughs) nobody knew about social media when when they made this movie yeah (laughs) um and then the the score kicks in uh which is just just such a sweet synthy vaporwave score and it might be in the top of some of the scores that are in any trauma movie i would say and it's uh it's just a lot of fun and then we i'm just surprised there's enough score in this movie to fill a vinyl it's and it's not a it's not a short vinyl either it's yeah i mean the movie's not even that long itself right yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I wonder how. I think they repeat a lot of those songs. A lot of cues anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's one of the things I wanted to say is one of the missed opportunities related to this great song Haunted Garage had was, man, how great would it there have been if like the surf Nazis had a, a house band, you know, and they were like playing these songs in the movie. There's only... That's an idea for the reboot. There's only one punk song in the whole movie. And yeah, it could have been a lot more scene. punk rock. We'll, and we'll get to to that scene because it's yeah, yeah. it's pretty nuts. But <laughs> there's there's things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we find out that there was a big earthquake in L.A. Um. Through an emergency broadcast, and then yes, and a, one burning house, which is like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one burning house representing an entire uh, a po- post-apocalyptic landscape. And then um, you see Leroy and his his mama leaving leaving the, their house, which is in rubble. And he's uh, taking her to an old folks home, which that which is like, totally perfectly intact. And that's, that is one thing about the movie that um, like never sat right with me was yeah. it is the post-apocalypse except for this There's, old folks home, which it seems pretty nice. And Smeg's house is perfect yeah. and immaculate. <laughs> Nobody seems to care about the apocalypse outside. Other than like directly on the I beach. think I think the serve Nazis were just homeless. I don't think they were victims of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what I, I actually, think. I actually have a audio clip that I'm going to play of Peter George talking about the different locations they got for the movie. Well, the main body of the film itself was shot in primarily in Huntington Beach, but also in Seal Beach and in Long Beach. Uh, Long Beach had some really devastated looking areas that were ideal for earthquake. The biker bar is in Sunset Beach, and then uh, most of the rest of it where you see the oil rigs and the paintings uh, on, along the walls uh, is Huntington. The surfing was shot uh, on the North Shore of Hawaii, and we uh, considered doing it in California, but the size of the waves and the reliability of them at the time of year we were planning on doing, which was January, uh, it was an ideal time to shoot on the North Shore. So we decided to bite the bullet and do it, and I'm, I'm really glad we did. We're now introduced to the other 
uh, surf Nazis. We have uh, Smeg, who's, you know, just kind of like a, the young kid in the crew, and he's a, a blonde guy, and he's riding on the back of Ava Braun's, or I, they don't say her last name, but it's just Ava's motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Wait, is and then, this before the, the scene where, where Dookie's working on a. On the, a... Next, the next shot okay. is Dookie, um, and he is, uh, they show him. Um, banging some pots and yeah. pans in the yard basically and, and he's uh making a, a hook with like a blowtorch uh for for hook <laughs> um and then it's he like says, an, you can't rush art <laughs> and he's and, like lighting his cigarette off of the side of like the, yeah. the flaming hot hook <laughs> and it's yeah but it'll make a real nice gash it, it's uh it's funny too because like you they definitely wear their influences on their sleeve in this movie because hook oh yeah walked out of clockwork orange (laughs) oh yeah and 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 dookie's attire the whole film is definitely just his home closet because i've seen him in other things in those same outfits (laughs) that's that's and i mean that whole coat that he's wearing all the time you know very cool and stylish and the and the earring like are you really wearing that on the beach and going surfing dude (laughs) i don't think so Although he, it's funny because they, none of them look out of place uh, hanging out, just being like, you know, surf Nazis on the beach. Yeah, but as surfers, I don't think they fit in at all. <laughs> Maybe just Meg. Being from Colorado, the only experience I have of surfers is uh, the film Surf Nazis Must Die <laughs> and Surf Ninjas. That's a warped <laughs> perspective. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's also intercut with Mama Washington going to the old folks' home. It's like, yes. that, that's Mrs. Washington to you, honey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we see the the bunker, as they call it, uh, which they just, it's graffitied all over, swastikas everywhere. Um, yeah they're homeless squat yeah like why does meg live in a nice house with this hot mother which we'll get into later and the rest of them just like live on the beach i guess i i always likened it to uh the film um back to the beach that has like it's um back i i love this movie so it came out like 86 also i think stars frankie and annette but like fishbone uh plays a song in there and and annette sings and then Pee Wee herman sings surfing bird and uh, angelo moore and fishbone used to go see uh, haunted garage shows nice (laughs) um but yeah there's like this like crazy just punk surfer gang who looks like they're just like another part of the surf nazis that's what they needed more of in this movie all these gangs in the movie, which we'll get to, are you know, are not Nazis, gangs. They're all Nazis three have the most most gang yes. members in it, capping at six. <laughs> they have six people in the certain Nazis, and every other gang is literally just three dudes in the same t-shirt. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> not 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 so doing great with your gangs, dudes. But um, so, and then we get the sweet title card that says "Sometime in the near future." And then we see Leroy. Um, he's at the beach in like by some oil derricks. And I love all these shots that they get of the beach, um, where you see just like all like the oil plants and stuff in the in the background. Those seem to be operational. What's yeah. going on with the apocalypse? It's, man? it's still sweet looking. It's just such like a fun juxtaposition of like like yeah. oh, it's supposed to be the nice beach, but here's all like these. It's literally like the stuff. only industrial things on the beach that they could film. I'm sure. 
probably. <laughs> and then we see the surf Nazis driving around in this uh, shark van. Um, I, I have an audio Oh my clip. God, this fucking van. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play an audio clip about this van. Well, there was a, the surf Nazis had to get around here and there. Of course, we didn't want to get into anything too much. So they, they went in a van. Well, I had a van. So I thought, all right, well, I guess we'll use my van. So uh, one day the art people came and they said, well, we need to um, get the van to, you know, get it, get it ready for the film. So, uh, you know, here's the keys. Go, go do what you have to do. Well, uh, about four hours later, they came back. My, my white um, van has been painted camouflage. It's got swastikas all over it and these big P-38 Mustang shark teeth and a big fin on top. So, well, <laughs> that was it. It was never the same again. But um, I did continue to drive it, however, after painting out the swastikas and um, got some interesting um, looks and, and the, was pulled over by the police quite often. They would laugh and um, they just wanted to look it over and so forth. Yeah. I love this van. I kind of want to drive it around myself. <laughs> I don't want to touch that thing. <laughs> well, it's, I it got me. But wondering. I love the teeth and I love the fin. And they're, that's the kind of aesthetic that I want more of in this movie. They, yeah, it seemed like for, same here, like they were almost there. And I think if they would have had a little bit more money. And to a little get bit more, more neon. More people. Yeah. Yeah, the colors uh, in this movie are pretty dull for the 80s. Oh, they, they are pretty muted, but I feel like it, it works. I love like kind of the smoky, foggy-ness of this whole this whole film. And I will get into some smoke and fog later. Trust me, it's <laughs> a big part of my whole spiel on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh Mangla and Brutus come back from, from looting and uh and Adolf is just kind of pissed. He's like, what are we supposed to do with all this? And Dookie's like, why don't you have the Nazi youth have a yard sale? Yeah. And uh, then we, we also get introduced to Brutus, who's like a muscly guy with a harpoon gun. <laughs> and uh, we see we see a hook surfboard, which, you know, look, look quote, custom, just probably a spray-painted surfboard for the movie. Um, and uh, they go out surfing. And the surf one thing that always drives me nuts about this movie is i whenever i like read reviews or anything i always hear that they use stock footage but they actually shot all of the surf footage for this movie they in use, hawaii yeah they use every Real surfers <laughs> it's crazy but it all looks really good and they use every the frame i'm sure great. yeah oh i'm sure except for like that couple seconds in the uh in the deleted scenes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, just like the surf Nazis paddling into the water. It's because I'm it's, sure Dookie can't surf. I was going to ask, can, do you know if Dookie has ever surfed? I do not. And I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, maybe in his youth, but uh, not to my knowledge. Although um, one of the girls from the band, um, Dedra was her stage name is living in Hawaii now and is a surfer and a photographer. So, so there's, <laughs> there's one, there's one of them. One of the haunted garage can surf at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually Johnny Ho was a, I believe a professional surfboarder before he was in haunted garage, like when oh, he was cool. very young. So yeah, actually too, they should have had Johnny Ho in this movie. That would have been sweet. They, which is but funny. then he would he would have to be in the other gang, <laughs> <laughs> right? The 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 samurai surfers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's give him his own stereotype gang, please. Yes, 
but it's it's pretty funny that like they went out and they had people in in these swastika laden uh wetsuits like doing the nazi salute like going down waves like that's pretty nuts <laughs> like to see something like that like is ever made i'll give him i'll give peter george credit for that one <laughs> to uh yeah ever just seeing that on on um on film and then you see uh miss washington just kind of back at the old folks home and just trying to you know just have some of her old life back but not really and she's young like she's at an old folks home but i feel like she's like like she's in her 50s yeah like late 50s 60s at the most yeah yeah and she's playing uh five card stud with a bunch of old ladies she's like like uh we gotta put some life in you bitches that's exactly (laughs) the quote i wrote down (laughs) it's it's a very quotable movie there's a lot there's a couple there's a couple gems and i'd say most of them come from dookie it's actually true (laughs) he has some of the best he he probably i am i don't know I'm just spitballing here, but I don't know how solid the script was. <laughs> well, and nobody else has like the the one-offs that he does. So right. They, so you they, gotta wonder. And just kind of knowing his personality from other things, it feels very him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then so Adolf, uh, you know, it cuts back to a campfire scene, all the surf Nazis just hanging out and uh adolf is talking at the fight at this campfire and he's the fuhrer of the new beach and right uh, at their i guess where they sleep at night which is a a rock yeah (laughs) okay guys go home (laughs) the day is over from stuff i've heard was that some of the cast of the surf nazis like did not like each other and there was like tensions between them on set do you know anything more about that i do yeah dookie had a tension with i believe it was the guy who played adolf because apparently he was very um method actor and he was just an asshole all of the time and um i believe uh he he told me a story about uh they kept doing this scene where where he's like shoving him or hitting him in some way and he actually was like doing it for real and dookie was like said something about it after one of the takes and the direct someone on set was like hey that's not in the script <laughs> that's crazy. yeah they almost had a like a real deal fight on film that's at one point that's nuts <laughs> um yeah. but yeah they're all just dancing around the fire and, and then it cuts into um into basically uh the warriors segment yeah of the like film. this is the very bootleg warriors because that because the warriors had actually like an amount of people in each gang <laughs> where they felt like gangs <laughs> yeah yeah there where was more I, than three i'll say that much. i feel like if all of the people in all of these gangs like were one it would feel like one of the gangs from the yeah warriors. no exactly that's six like maybe 12 people <laughs> and all the gangs had pretty clever names but they don't ever say them except for the samurai surfers uh so i just kind of wrote my own descriptions for oh, them. so there yeah. there's the hippie surfers they're wearing tie-dyes yeah. And then right. there's the skaters, the kids on skateboards, and the samurai oh, yeah. surfers. Oh, they had a name. Um, they were they, like the. They were. They used to be the rats. Right? Yeah. Wait, I have it written down somewhere. They, we'll the get skate, there when we get there. Yeah, they used to be called the skate rats, but then they, I, I have it written down too. They have some other name, but so we got the skaters, um, and then we have like 
bikers who you never actually see on a motorcycle for the entire film but they refer to them yeah. as bikers and then they i they do mention this other group as the pipeliners but honestly okay, it right. looks like a bunch of like like hipsters with cut off shorts and mustaches who like just rode on on their fixed wheeler bike <laughs> and are gonna like drink your pbr like that's who <laughs> this other gang looks like yeah um and so then uh adolf shows up to this big meeting of all the gangs on a on a riding on a front of a forklift (laughs) (laughs) on a pallet where did they get that they they needed uh they needed a good you know introduction i guess or and here's adolf's first big uh dramatic speech He cuts a bag of sand and then he gives Cyrus's speech from the Warriors. He's like, Turf, what are we fighting for, Turf? Well, that's what they say in the Warriors. And this yeah. is sand. What are we fighting for all this sand? Oh, if, so it is a direct parody. I don't know if I would call it a parody. I oh, would say yeah. it's a, it is a pretty blatant ripoff. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and then he's like, if we all join together, we all could rule the beach instead of, you know, all of us fighting. Which you for should, it. because you all need friends. I mean, they all need some more friends. They are their friend groups are pretty small. I mean, at that point, they're just going to get beat up by people on the beach because they're outnumbered by by vacationers. (laughs) I know. Um, And so the the hipster guy, he uh, disagrees. He doesn't want to be a Nazi. And so Blade shoots at him with his spear gun. So, yeah, uh, I don't know why the Asian guys would want to be Nazis either. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Well, and it, it's funny because, like, I always thought it was weird that they're fighting the samurais. Like, you would think that there'd be an access, right? Myth. Right. But I heard in an interview with uh, Peter George, he's like, "Oh, I never thought about that." Yeah, that neither did be. I. <laughs> but it's like I always was like, "You think they would be teammates or something?" I was waiting for that parallel to happen at some point in the movie. But it's going to happen in the reboot right <laughs> the requel um, cuts back oh, to and I, and I have to i gotta yeah. cut in here and say something about that scene because this is the first instance i believe of of something i have a new thesis about this movie based on the last watch and i don't know if, if this is a popular opinion or not or or maybe i'm the first one ever presenting it but um there's some repressed homosexuality uh things going on in this movie right for sure I think uh, Adolf and Mangala may be uh, secretly in love. I can see first, that with the, and the scene first that's instance, coming up. Yeah, and uh, during the meeting when they were waiting for Adolf, we had one of the, the other rival gang members saying, where's your F-word boyfriend? You know, and that's the first instance of many of people referring to Adolf as a homosexual in this movie. And, yeah. and I think it's a theme that runs throughout, and I will point out the scenes where it does. I... I, I and that's why wanna... he that's why he needs to um rise to power to like you know uh he, battle battle his his repressed homosexuality display, display himself fully erect in front of his peers that's right yes <laughs> um with his I, big knives <laughs> in his switchboard <laughs> i need to go back and uh watch yeah rewatch it with that lens because oh boy i got some evidence coming up well, that's the first one and and the thing about it is um i don't know her character's name but dawn uh adolf's girlfriend ava ava dawn Waltzmith. yeah she doesn't refute it she just 
says something about him coming or whatever yeah <laughs> there was no like f you for saying that it's kind of like we all know yeah <laughs> um and then we see the nurses they they uh back at the old folks home they're talking about lee ray's mom and how they she's just too much of a wild card for them to handle they can't drug her because she won't eat the food she gives them they're like well where is she now um they're like oh she's complaining about the view from her room and then it cuts to mama just cutting down a tree with a chainsaw hey, there's the chainsaw from the cover finally right it shows up <laughs> yeah it does show up just not not where you expect yeah. i feel then, like all those leroy mama scenes like could have been just been their own movie like the, this feels like the two movies are just kind of meshed together did it, it's funny because they, they also and they're feel so white like all those scenes are so white like just like crystal clear and yeah and not all and like no apocalypse no sign of the apocalypse around there at all not even yeah like when they show that front yard it's pretty clean pretty immaculate <laughs> except for that tree coming down those tree yeah. branches she's cutting down badass um, by the way sure yeah <laughs> um and then we see mangala making uh the switchboard which is probably the closest we get to the chainsaw surfboard it's pretty it's, cool uh, although pretty impractical to use <laughs> I, I don't know how you would use that um they maybe they, well we kind of see them try to use it later on yeah they so there's a switchblade that pops out of the front of the surfboard switchboard <laughs> and uh right and so then we see a bunch of kids uh, of the Nazi youth stealing from people at the beach and they're dropping it to Adolf. Yeah, I have a note about this. This montage is weak. This is another missed opportunity for a great 80s montage. There's like three little clips of them stealing stuff. And I don't understand why the surf Nazis want to clear their beaches because then who the hell are they going to steal from and eat from? Well, and it was it's funny, too, because it took me a little bit to get what's going on. Because they're stealing from these people, but they're depositing it all in a trash can. Right. So, so it so, looks so the, like so they're the just Nazi throwing. Youth can have a yard sale. It looks like they're just throwing, like cleaning up garbage on the beach. I know. <laughs> and that this could have been such a classic '80s montage, and they blew it. Um, and then, yeah, then you see like Adolf eating some of this watermelon that the kids stole, and then yeah, uh, because they have to steal for their food because they're homeless. And, the, and then we go to the biker bar, which yes. uh, is the scene with the only punk song in the entire movie. Do you know who uh, that was? Uh, I don't remember. It's it's in the credits, but uh, it's, you know, you can hear it in the background. It's not really. Yeah. Is it on the vinyl? No. No, the vinyl's just all score. Yeah, I figured. Um, but the. Could have been Haunted Garage. They should have had a song in there. There should have, there is a few, like you said, a few missed opportunities for music for sure in this movie. Um, well, it's there for the reboot, Lloyd. These songs are sitting around waiting to be used. <laughs> um, and one thing I, I didn't really catch on to until my most recent watch of the movie was um, one of the one of the ladies in the bar is just leading a guy around the bar by a noose around his neck. Two which, guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I just never noticed yeah. that before because you're yeah, watching. I love the uh, SM group in the bar. Uh, more of that, please, Peter George. <laughs> there, and Eva goes to show up and collect her money from the main biker, and uh, the biker is uh, 
is short, so she goes to to. And he and he says another gay joke about Adolf not being there. Yeah, and so uh, she because everybody knows it. It's I yeah it's I an open hold. beach secret that Adolf. Is there's gay. no well, there's no closets in the bunker. It's just a, <laughs> just a blown out <laughs> right. Prolapse. So what is he hiding beach. from? <laughs> um, another gay joke. Yep. Uh, so she goes and some to, great some great scenes from uh, Dookie. You go, uh, want to slam dance? What? No one wants to slam yeah. dance. <laughs> and he's always eating his knife. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> and then and then we get another uh, funny uh, like back and forth between uh, uh, Butch and or not Butch uh, Brutus and Mangla um, outside of this outside of this uh, bar. Right um so where brutus is he's like he's like oh you got a okay yeah, Freudian thing with your mama and then dookie's like like better than having penis envy with that thing and uh <laughs> and he's referring to his uh his spear gun they return to the the beach and uh we see the samurai surfers and the the Nazis go to fight the surfers in the waves. And wait, they... did we skip? Did we skip the weird rapey scene? No, that's right now. Okay, that's so, right now. So Adolf tries to have sex with Eva, and then he the... can't because he's gay. Well, there is one part that I thought was a was a reference, not just to to Hitler and Eva Braun's poop fetish, is mm. uh, when uh, Adolf uh, just starts eating. Ava's booty right there on the beach. Right. Well, he can relate to booty because yes, I think that's the closest he can get to um <laughs> to you know what he wants. And then of course, um, what was it? Smeg is like uh, being a little peeping tom. So yeah, he's... who is he watching? Is he watching Adolf or is he watching Ava? <laughs> you never think know. about it. Think <laughs> about it. The sex scene gets interrupted because the samurai surfers and the Nazis, yeah. Nazis are fighting. And for for an exploitation movie, this is pretty weak of a sex scene. I got. Yeah, I guess say. I guess we should have said there was also some boobs in that biker bar scene, and this right. this is all of there could the have nudity. been more boobs. This is all of the nudity in the entire movie. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, the exploitation factor could have been really ramped up, but uh, another missed opportunity. There's some boobs though, so it's not a total loss. Yes, <laughs> um, and. And then uh, the no dicks, just surfboards. In the requel, right. well, <laughs> what what's Adolf? Now, really now that Beyonce on? has a re uh, uh, defined the term surfboard. Yes. <laughs> um, and Adolf <laughs> runs to the beach to stop the Nazis and samurais for fighting. Um, yeah. They and they have a really weak fight. Yeah, where we see the switchboard sort of in action. Yeah, see, he's kind of waving it around or whatever. We see we see the blade pop, you know, sticking out of the board, but um, trying to stab anybody with the front of a surfboard, as you can see from this, is just pretty impractical. Yeah, they win, I think, anyways, right? Yeah, or, the, no, they, the, they, this is a the, draw the scene where they, yeah, they didn't, this, the next one is where they kill the guys. Yeah, this one's a draw and they just uh, take off. So <laughs> pretty weak action, Peter George. <laughs> but uh and then it, it goes to some Nazi use still in the lady's purse, and then Leroy steps in um mm-hmm. to stop him. But a- Adolf, he uh this is kind of where like 
like uh, you just despise Adolf the most because before it's just like he's kind of a douche on the beach, <laughs> and here mm-hmm. it's like oh he's he he's uh, definitely leaning into the racist side of being a Nazi. Nazis Finally, aren't all just yeah. fun and games and surfing, no. as uh, we thought. Um, and so he's talking shit to Leroy, and then it's then it's intercut with uh, Leroy getting killed in the ocean in a different swimsuit, and uh, Leroy's mom identifying his body mm. and a funeral, um, all kind of going at the same time. And then it goes to back to the Nazis, and they are grilling a gross pig or a slimy dog or. I don't really know, but it's like half of a slimy animal that they have over the fire in there. I guess some strange beach uh, post-apocalyptic. Yeah, uh, right. It's the the, um, big dog. (laughs) The the creature from Montauk. Yeah, (laughs) they eat it. And and there's some infighting in the gang about about killing Leroy. But, you know. And I guess this is like plot. Yeah, they're like, well, it doesn't matter. As much matter. as you go, you can find some? Yeah, they're like, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then Mingla kind of questions if Ava's actually in charge of the whole gang. Uh, yes. Just to kind of <laughs> kind of has has some some stuff. Um, Emasculating Adolf again. And then it then it goes to the the super long shot, which you were right. talking about. Yes, and I, I'm wondering about this shot where the director went. I think he went was on lunch. <laughs> he just left I, the camera rolling. I love this shot though, because it's strangely, it is one of the more compelling shots of the movie. It's, it's because a, you're like, why is this so long? Why is it just a silhouette on a tripod for like five minutes or whatever? Probably not that long. They, they're just like arguing and fighting in the back of this warehouse and it's orange and it's smoky and it's it's just a really i think it's a beautiful shot to it is a beautiful to look shot. at but um but i'm wondering if that was intentional or if that was just a mistake <laughs> well so listening to uh one of his interviews of peter george they wanted it to be kind of smoky in there and what happened was they poured a bunch of gasoline on a tire and set that on fire. And oh, it wasn't, no. quite, wasn't quite smoky enough. So they started just dumping gasoline on the ground and <laughs> um, set that on fire. And that Jesus. seemed to do the trick, except for the gasoline started to back up into the gas can. So mm-hmm. it got knocked over and they said that they could see just Peter George was saying that he was just watching the gasoline roll out of the concrete um, on its way to starting a huge brush fire. And oh, so, boy. so he just, they were acting in the scene and it just was going on as he was like worried about set, setting this whole village on fire, this whole beach area on fire. But so, Dookie definitely hamming it up in this one. Yeah. <laughs> in the background. Yeah. So, but it's, yeah, no, I, I love the, love that shot. It's one of the, it's just such an interesting looking shot in the movie very interesting um and then we cut to smeg at home with his uh, beautiful mother in their nice suburban uh, oh and, and sorry in that scene um dookie says goddamn straight fam or something like that so another another possible reference to adolf's homosexuality just have to throw that in there his uh and his uh tryst with uh mangla maybe exactly let's see this is why i think they are 
Secret and then he's lovers. he's jealous of uh, his relationship with Eva. I mean, exactly, it all makes sense in the in the reboot. We'll uh, play that up more. That's right. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we see so we see Smeg in this like really nice suburban home, and it feels yeah. very sick. No apocalypse at all. Yeah, like his mom is like cooking dinner, and then he's his like, super hot mom, Bobby Bracy. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, or Reese. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm. I will go with either. <laughs> I like Breezy. It sounds more artistic. Breezy, but not as greasy. And it, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny because because he's like, "Mom, can I borrow twenty bucks?" And she's like, "Okay, <laughs> stop no, hanging this out is, with those Nazis." <laughs> this is actually probably my favorite scene in the movie, and it's another lie. I think it's another just one shot. Um, yeah, and I wrote down some of the dialogue. Adolf, God, Smeg, Gre- uh, Gregory, is that what that snotty Ricky James is calling himself now? Uh, they're the gnarliest gang around, Mom. Is Smeg, oh, and I said, is Smeg the only one of them who has a home? <laughs> and um, it seems like if they know Ricky, a.k.a. Adolf, like, he seems a lot older than Smeg is supposed to be. Smeg is one of those 30-year-olds playing like a teenager, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and don't be late for dinner. <laughs> I love that. And scene. This he, more he of like, this. If this was more of the 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 um uh, uh what's the word? Uh it was like tone. The tone of the movie, I think it would have the nurse, I would say the nursing home scenes and the tone sort of this yeah. scene match. Yeah, see, that's why all the home scenes and the beach scenes seem like two different movies. All the beach scenes are played very serious and straightforward. Right. There's no fun with the Nazis. It's their serious no. crew. <laughs> um, so then the Nazis they go to a pawn shop and they uh they you know they're just arguing money with the the pawn shop guy and um Brutus steals a necklace from him. Uh, but Adolf has a good He gives good him line. a dollar, doesn't he? Yeah, he gives him a dollar him for a dollar. like this hundred dollar necklace. But Adolf has a great line. He's like, oh yeah, you know, just sell him for this price. He's like, don't fuck with me. I'm an economy major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, they have educations. They probably have homes. What's going on here? What happens? Um, I mean, as I guess as we've seen in the last few years, when, when uh, things get a little bit rough, that uh, people are more than willing to join a Nazi gang. And that's why we <laughs> it's the perfect time for the reboot. <laughs> um, and then we go back to the beach and Smeg is just trying to pick up some girls. Um, N-word alert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so he's like, oh, we did away with and then uh yeah that and word. trying to impress the girls and leroy's mama uh, finally here. some chicks some beach babes where are the where are they these the are rest of the, the time beach these babes. are the only two beach babes in like the movie except for the bar scene yeah and i don't even know if that counts because they are not at the beach <laughs> right what the heck <laughs> but um leroy's mama hears that and she slams him against some graffiti on the wall which is the album the king cover. crimson oh which i yeah. think i had a vi- i have it on vinyl i believe but i should have brought that out it's in the other room that i guess that was just there yeah i was listening to some of like peter yeah Lucas i know he talked about it on that uh interview and he was saying like like there was like weird walls with you know that had graffiti and there was some with murals and and this was so did someone know. paint that cover or is that cover 
a picture of that wall. I I would imagine somebody painted the cover because yeah, probably um, because it's the cover for Court of the Crimson King, and that came out in the seventies, right? So yeah. I I find it hard to believe that you know some graffiti like that would be on the wall for it's a great looking imagery with the him slamming him against the middle of that painting, but why is it there? Is is a it's an interest, interesting question. Yeah, it's it's. I'm glad it is though. Yeah, it's, it's better than the rest of the graffiti they have in this movie. Although there is some weird, like, like later on in the film, like they're hanging out, um, like against some like painted up walls, but it looks like those posters that hang in front of like nail salons that haven't been updated <laughs> from the eighties. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Nazis go surf again, and uh, Adolf goes to relax with Eva on the beach, and they see all of their um their surfboards are on fire so and then uh that pisses the nazis off and 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 there's that rad title song during their surf montage i gotta add that in there or some rad there's some rad soundtrack stuff going on there yeah it's i do i highly recommend the vinyl for for is it on spotify it's not it's like vinyl only gotcha which i i was like yeah i don't know man there's no haunted garage on it that's true well you could you could put together your own uh just get two turntables going side by side and then uh, yeah well i have an idea i can talk about later (laughs) (laughs) um and so uh we then see that there's a guy tied upside down under under a pier and all these fishermen go to go to save him right what the hell did this guy do is he part of a surf gang i don't think so i don't know but he's uh He's there. <laughs> so he's there. Like, We've never seen him before. We don't know who he is. We don't see him again after I, this. I always assumed he was just part of so then the Nazis go, they they rumble with like the hippies. So I mm-hmm. always assumed maybe he was just part of that hippie gang. No way. These guys were like old deaths, like yeah. The, you know, well, these guys were not in surf uh shape. <laughs> the the fishermen weren't, but the guy who was tied up might have been. I don't uh, know. One of the gangs. None of them Maybe. are really in surf shape. In no, this. no, that's true. But he's like really but, not in surf shape. Um, but yeah, we so during like this Nazi rumble with all these beachgoers, uh, Mangla bites the neck of one of the hippie surfers. And then uh, Oh yeah, the Jesus scene, right? Yeah. He's like, we don't need Jesus on the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and give me a break, like that Jesus guy could have taken Dookie down in a second. <laughs> So that's just to- highly unlikely. <laughs> st- even if that guy is stoned to the gourd, <laughs> he was pretty built. Like Tuki is a small dude. And then we, and then Hook kills somebody with his uh, his hook. Finally. And uh, then then uh, the they kill montage. A, yeah. Yep. And they burn down a beach house, and um, then all the other gangs they they uh, meet up about you know change like all, losing all their territory to the nazis oh i have to say one more thing about the jesus scene yes where dookie says there's no room for jews on this beach it's our final solution <laughs> didn't oh boy i i love it. i am gonna get canceled <laughs> we're just talking about the film we're just talking about it it's in there from the 80s it's, that's right from the 80s <laughs> disclaimer trigger warning everything it's a trauma podcast you know this already. yeah 
yeah if you've made it this far into the series if you watch blood sucking freaks you're good exactly (laughs) um and then so mangla he gives hook a new hook then uh, we see mama at the pawn shop and she wants to buy she wants to buy a gun and then the pawn shop guy's like oh here's like a nice like ladies gun yeah that thing like, like doesn't even fit her finger yeah, and she's like, I don't want a lady's gun. I'm interested in something that'll take the head off a honky at 20 paces. And so one of probably one of the best lines in the film. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> and then uh, and so then the pawn shop guy is just terrified of her. So he's like, I'll give you all this free ammo. And well, I think he sees the money she has in his hand and yeah. he's like, Holy shit, this, she's got some money to spend. Then, Where she got that money, we don't know, but in money still matters in the post-apocalypse but right it does <laughs> and then and then he offers her some grenades so okay here we go so those, those skater kids um right they they changed their name to the earth surfers that's right now we're the earth surfers riders of the hard wave yeah <laughs> and, and he's like and Mangla's like well, you still get information, right? <laughs> yeah, and the only information they end up giving him is something's going to go down real soon. That's <laughs> it, man. T-shirts paid for, not so great information. <laughs> it, it's uh, You're it going to need some T-shirts. New it t-shirts. did get me uh, wondering, though, like when this movie was shot and all these skater kids, like is there any like pretty famous skaters in mm. that crew that we just don't know about because like like that whole bones brigade was going in that area at that time and they should like show up in like leaning the cube and everything yeah. and thrashing yeah, yeah. which is all shot at that same time yeah uh the the singer from the aquabats was in that yeah in uh leaning the cube that's and right he's he's a big trauma fan also he uh really he wrote a song um called i love the monster based on uh the to- shirts in the toxic avenger and, i do and- believe that i did another podcast uh, about the aquabats to promote this documentary too so go check it out hey uh, homies yeah no the aquabats they're they're big uh trauma fans they they'd play before they got the the kids show they would show clips from yo, gabba, gabba. um well, now you'll get their the super show when the super even, show but even during the yo gabba gabba uh days they would show clips of class and high during their concerts so so there you I go yeah nerd out it's like oh man i love all these things <laughs> yeah well they're on tour again this summer and i just bought tickets go see the aquabats yeah with Hell bowling yeah. for soup and less than jake it's gonna be a scarific i'm down <laughs> yeah all right well back back Where to serve nazis though yes the, the <laughs> skate skate kids who maybe um, maybe one of them is christian from the aquabats but i don't think so I don't think so either, but he was an actor and a kid actor at that time. So maybe that's right. <laughs> um, so mama's reading her Bible with her gun. And then uh, Smeg is at his nice warm home, writing yeah. a letter to Adolf, uh, warning him to be careful. And then his mom just goes like, stops him from sneaking out by standing outside his window with a like, flashlight, like smack. in a very, very well lit uh, front or backyard. I would say too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he's and first of all, I mean, he looks 30. I imagine he's playing a high schooler and his mom still tucks him into bed. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Making sure she's okay. He's asleep. (laughs) Yeah, right. So he can't get get out of the house to warn Adolf that there's going to be a big beat down. So we see something's going down. So then we just see kind of all the 
the different gangs. The samurais are practicing karate. The hippies are putting on sunscreen. The hipsters <laughs> are just drinking. And uh, yes, each gang of three people are are just hanging out doing their thing. Yeah. <laughs> and Mangla shows up at the shows up at the beach. Nadoff is relaxing, and then all the gangs start showing up. Um, and then the samurais they come in and they ambush the Nazis. But the Nazis they they go at it and they they kill them. They slice their throats. And uh, yeah, probably the most violent scene in the movie. Although you don't really see anything, but yeah, but there it is funny how little violence there actually is in in this movie. It, it works, but it could be, it's as violent as the warriors, I guess. There's yeah. As yeah. Many but the scenes. warriors, I don't think it was supposed to be as much of an exploitation movie as this one is. I don't know. It is pretty Maybe. gang exploitation, but yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> um, and so one uh, of them's a great movie. And one of them's a movie with a great title. <laughs> I think they're both great movies. Well, uh, I commend you for that. <laughs> um, so the the hipsters they they run off to the bunker and the the hippies they are the nazis go to the hippies beach and they fight the hippies and they kill them and then uh we see ava stitching up adolf from mm. from their battle one of the hipsters they throw acid in uh brutus's face and so yeah surprise it, attack adolf attack. goes to check on him and i don't quite understand the geography of the bunker but yeah. so adolf walks in a straight line to Brutus and then hiding against a wall that is facing Mangla is one of the hipster guys, like, like Looney Tune pressed against the yeah, wall. Yeah. But like he would be staring straight at him and he just like walks. And wasn't Mangla like in the window at some point too? Yeah. I don't know what's going they, on. They don't, they don't, I don't quite understand the geography. It, it doesn't matter because, no. um, because, uh, this, this guy tries to attack Mingla. Mingla chokes him out. And then, uh, Hook chokes out another. And then, uh, Mingla stabs one to death. So they, and then eats know, his knife again, right? Yeah. They, they take, they take these guys out. And then, uh, Adolf finally. Yeah. And shows I love up. to say, um, when Dookie's eating his knife at the end of that scene, the graffiti in the back has a word, uh, the C word written across it with uh, an arrow pointing to him. I don't know if that was intentional or not, <laughs> but it is funny. <laughs> Dookie should uh, get some stills of that so, so he could yeah. sign them at conventions or something. <laughs> well, yeah, we need to get him into conventions. Well, that'll be the next phase. Uh, well, Adolf shows up first and, uh, and he shoots Brutus with the spear gun because he can't help him. Right. help him anymore and yes, then mangala is very uh like oh good job you know i don't understand why they're all in a gang together because they don't seem to like each other at all <laughs> yeah they don't and they it doesn't seem like they really make money no they're not successful at all yeah <laughs> there's but he uh, but he seems to respect um Adolf for killing his supposed friend like oh yeah you know job. maybe it's just hard to find a group of people that you could be openly racist with in the post-apocalypse that could <laughs> that's, be that's why they're all hanging out together yeah then there's they have uh you know another campfire uh scene and we, we find out some, that a shark great lines here yeah we find out that a shark got hook's hand so he's like he got my hand 
right before I got the shark. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> and then they uh, say they'll bury Brutus in the morning. And Dookie, uh, they ask about his memories or whatever, and he says, they're all bad, man. I I thought, which is funny, like, like uh, when we're talking about plot, I feel like like that is Why? one of the the most revealing things of any of the characters in the movie because because uh like giving like dookie some character development good job like he's the only the only thing he has going for him is just hanging out with a bunch of people he hates on a beach that's like the <laughs> no. best thing in his life so sounds pretty bad at least it's got his skull earrings yeah so he's got that in his sweet jacket that survived his the apocalypse yeah, <laughs> he he fashioned it in the apocalypse. Um, so then all the Nazis go to bed and uh, they're sleeping under a poster of Hitler where they like painted sunglasses on him. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love that. That was funny. That That's one of the good 80s moments of the film, I'd say. Yeah. And then uh, a grenade gets thrown into the the bunker right next. to. I have head. so much to say about this scene. So let me know when to just. Yeah, so you describe the yeah. scene, and then I'm going to rip it so, apart. So there, there is a big explosion right next to Hook, and then just pandemonium starts. So, go for it. <laughs> well, there is a grenade, and uh, which results in a couple deaths in the gang. Um, from what I hear, there was supposed to be a plot point in this where. You see, when you see uh, Dookie's character Mangla walking out from the grenade blast, he's holding his neck, right? But it's not supposed to be from the grenade. It's supposed to have um, uh, broken the the cage or the the case of 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 um, Adolf's spider, pet spider, and that has is supposed to have bit him. But apparently, the actor who played Adolf was like so uh, afraid of spiders, arachnophobic, I guess that they couldn't shoot it. So that sequence doesn't make sense. And it's just as if he's the grenade hit him in the neck or something. That's thing number one. So that leads well, to I, I will, death. Well, I will say I'm kind of glad that didn't work because that would be very home. A little alone. too much, right? Yeah. yeah but little... they do show that spider a couple of times during the movie. And it's kind of like foreshadowing something that never happens. That's pretty interesting though. That does so, make sense. <laughs> and then, oh boy, I have some things to say about Dukey's death scene here. That's because, pretty bold saying that it's a death scene. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's just, what would you call it? <laughs> death <A> shot. scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's pretty far away again. And in every this this tripped me out. So maybe you have some insight into this because, you know, a little bit more expertly about the different versions of this film. Every version I've ever seen up until the Blu-ray, you can clearly see. It's either, I always thought it was a boom mic being lowered into the shot, like very, very, very clearly, or it's damage to the film that was looked like a boom pole. But in the new Blu-ray, there's so much smoke in that scene that it covers all of that up. So I went back to my DVD and on Trauma Now, I believe they both have the previous version of it where you can clearly see this coming down. So is that a, tra a transfer thing? And this is a new transfer and it's not there because I always called it death by boom. 
Yeah, I will have to watch those back to back because I didn't notice that. Because I was I like, know. When, when I know one of Lloyd's lines when he's introducing these things is like the newly digitally restored blah 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 director's cut, and it's like maybe they did go in and fill in some D, uh, CGI smoke in the scene to hide that error. Either that, or it was a bad transfer of the film in. The, there's some damage in the shape of a boom pole coming down into the film. So I do know the the early uh, DVDs and all that were taken from the Tape Master, which if you go back and watch some of that, there's a lot of film noise and just they very could be because stuff like I always that. thought it was a boom mic until this week when I saw the Blu-ray and I'm like, I don't see it. I was specifically looking for it, which I I want to see it's, it's the clearly more smoky. I want to see the 88 films Blu-ray um, because I know there's compression issues on the trauma mm. one. Um, oh no. Where it's a little, little It is more a pretty crushed. beautiful print on here though. I'm, I'm imagining it's, it's a re. Um, it is a new transfer. Right. For sure. Which it doesn't sound like it was supervised by Peter George at all, which oh, is unfortunate, <laughs> but yeah, um, he seemed to know that the project existed after it happened. Yeah. Which you know, I, I could totally imagine that's kind of happens at Tromaville. Yeah, I mean, bit. you got to re-release one of your best title, biggest titles, right? Especially on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, yeah, Dookie, Dookie uh, just falls over dead in, yeah, the, dead in the frame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and then, then, and then Adolf, more, he, he's more emotive about this death than any emotion he's ever felt in this film, which also leads me to believe that there was a secret love affair between yeah. the two. Yeah, he's upset. And um Adolf and uh and Eva they they just go running off and because they hear the motorcycle going and mama's coming for you. Yeah mama's on that motorcycle and she's going back to the nursing home and right. uh so that's another thing I don't understand the continuity of this because she's there and then she goes back for the gun. She didn't pack the gun with the grenades. Like, what are you thinking? It seemed like it would have been a good, should have had both. Yeah. Like, Is it like a, oh shit, I forgot my gun. I got to go I home. mean, maybe like, that's why that? she was in the nursing home. Like maybe she's forgetful in her old age. Perhaps. And then the explosion was like, oh shit. Forgot the I gun. Forgot that next forget to my Bible. Gun? <laughs> um, so if we're back home. So yeah, and then she she goes and pushes the nurse over, and she gets her gun, and she just threatens the nurse and points the gun in her face, and the Nazis show show up. But when first sight of a gun, they uh, the Nazis just turn right. So they're following her at first, and then she's following them. Like I don't get that either. So yeah, as soon as they see the gun, they're like, "Fuck this, we're out of here!" Like we're just like kind of pussy Nazis. They, we're, yeah. not, we're not actually in it to win it. So they they uh, take off on the motorcycle and Mama hops in the van and they they arrive in some sort of industrial boat junkyard place. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, a new location. And Mama's looking for him on foot. And then uh, and she's giant tubes. I don't know what they're made for, but. Yeah, it's it's a cool location. It is like, pretty cool. Like it's like a part boat junkyard and part just like like industrial scrap everywhere, and uh, she's shooting shooting at at the Nazis, and uh, and so then the Nazis they they see some surfboards on the mm-hmm. beach and they uh, they are from some surfers and they steal them to escape, 
and uh, they they go off. And then the fisherman from earlier, Mama commandeers the fisherman's boat. And one of the fishermen is uh, the director, Peter, Peter George, George, the yep. one who's driving. He's the, the driver. And I actually have an audio clip of him talking about it and the producer, Robert Connell, talking about this boat scene. Yeah, that's me throwing the hot dog, and I play the fisherman who gets hijacked by Leroy's mama onto the boat. And part of this was purely practical from a standpoint that I had driven this jet boat and felt confident about being able to um, handle the stunt driving on it. Little did I know, of course, that um, actually playing the part in the movie of the boat driver and having to be held at gunpoint um, and drive the boat through a bunch of stunt sequences at the same time of directing the scene and uh, taking a knife in the back um, created a real um, three-ring circus. When Peter wrecked the boat, you know, we, we have all these shots to do, this big boat chase, and he's playing this fisherman who's driving this boat, this big, exciting chase. And I leave the set to go do something. And I come back, and he's got this really long face because it's his, it's his uncle's boat, or his nephew's boat. And he's like, oh, man, don't get mad. Because, you know, we have about a dollar sixty-five in loss and damage on this thing. He's wrecked the boat. He's wrecked the boat on the next to last shot. And not only has he wrecked the boat on the next to last shot, he's wrecked the boat before we have to do the infamous decapitation scene with the boat. Uh, and I won't give away how we finally got around that. So it's nuts. I wish there was a commentary because they talk about just briefly that they wrecked the boat somehow. Mm, right. And yes, and they don't elaborate on that. But the yeah, and then they have to wrecked. do the decapitation uh, without it. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're the so she's like circling the Nazis at high speed on this boat, and then she runs over Ava, decapitating her, and then Adolf throws a knife at the the boat driver, and and he gets it. So she she shoots Adolf, and and then a wave takes him out. We think he's dead but he hops up on the boat and then we get one of the most iconic shots of the film where mm. mama just puts the barrel of the gun down his throat and tastes some I of mean mama's... they put it on the back of the cover yes and it's like in every trailer taste some of mama's cooking ate off and then she shoots blood flies everywhere Kapow. he falls over dead in the sea and mama leaves on the motorcycle. I have an audio clip I want to play about Lloyd talking about the Cannes premiere of Surf Nazis. I'll never forget, we went to the Cannes Film Festival in 1987, and we presented Surf Nazis Must Die as if it was the number one movie of the year. We had huge posters in the Carlton Hotel. We brought Peter George, the director there. I think we had some of the actors. At any rate, at first, everybody was shocked that the beautiful Carlton Hotel should be defiled with the, with the Surf Nazis huge billboards in front of their entrance. But then uh, people like Rex Reed began to uh, comment on the film and word of mouth got out that the screenings had, were very successful and before we knew it, Surf Nazis Must Die became a classic. All right, so what are your- Can you believe it? Cans. It's kind of cool. I mean, this movie did so much I want to talk trauma. about that with Duke, uh, Lloyd when I see him. Yeah, I would love to hear like, because this movie did a lot for trauma it's uh you know it's one of their big titles i would say right like yeah it's considered especially of their um pickup films yeah i'd say next to you know like blood sucking freaks and rabid mm -hmm. grannies like it's right there yeah 
what are your final thoughts on surf nazis must die oh this is a real dumb movie (laughs) (laughs) um but like i said it's got a great title there's some there's some nuggets of gold in it um again go watch this again with the secret uh gay plot line in mind because i think it turns it into a very different movie and i'll say it a million times lloyd you need to reboot this movie it's time all of these great ideas that uh were missed opportunities in this one you can use for the next one we got some haunted garage songs lying around and it's best that they are played in character because unlike their more recent song the last song i believe they ever wrote in Haunted Garage uh, on this record, uh, Surf Nazis, They Must Die, which is clearly from the perspective of um, anti-Nazis. Their previous song from the 80s is from the perspective of the Nazis. So disclaimer, as far as I know, there is no Nazi affiliation or support from Haunted Garage. This is an in-character song and they should use that because it's a good song and um, yeah the, the surf nazis need a punk band in their base for the next wave and master <laughs> i mean it is a very punny song but um in a way i'm glad it never did come out because um maybe it would be a bad look for them in hindsight yeah. but in context go check out this song on my indiegogo you can get it for the first time ever and and the you before the movie we heard a little clip of it and i gotta say it's it's a gem i'm glad yeah glad that that's not a great quality recording but the song itself it's it's fun it's a really good song and you know as far as like bootleg unreleased songs it's something you want to want to hear yeah Um, for your surf nazis um fanatics out there and completists your your collection is not complete without this song and and for me as far as final thoughts on surf nazis um, I think I think this movie probably plays better now um, than it did when it came out. In if you're if you love synthwave and just kind of slow burn with exploitation aesthetics um, yeah. and some trauma sensibilities, like this will definitely hit a lot of sweet spots for people. Um, yeah, for the for those retro nerds who are digging all these retro VHS culture horror movies, like this has got to be top of your list. Yeah, it's uh, it. I, I just love this. I always have loved this movie, but it's it's fun. And my my final final thoughts: fuck Nazis, surf Nazis, yeah, must die. <laughs> yes, yes. From from two white guys talking about Nazis on a podcast, we do not condone <laughs> Nazi activity whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> neither Nazi of us fuck off. Neither of us are in a Ford F one fifty pickup truck recording our yeah, yeah. our <laughs> manifestos. No, not at all. Just to make that extremely clear (laughs) in my pursuit of all things dookie for this documentary i had heard about a college film or short that he made called freezer dreams this must have been from the 70s and i know i had heard him talk about it so i asked him about and he's like last i heard saw it um some producer from surf nazis had it and he said she so i looked on imdb and I found the only female producer of Surf Nazis, Antonia Verna, who is also a makeup effects. And I think she was one of the extras in the in the bar scene as well. Um, 
reached out to her and she actually has the only known copy of freezer dreams Whoa. shot on on eight millimeter like kodak you know like eight nice. millimeter never released or anything and so i found it it has been transferred it is sitting on a hard drive waiting to be sent to me i have not seen it yet but thank you big shout out to antonia verna who um found a lost dookie flyswatter film and because it's all surf nazi connection that's so cool yeah and um she even she uncovered a photo for me that i'm i think i'm gonna uh get a higher quality scan of it but um it's dookie apparently it's at the premiere of surf nazis i'm not sure where it premiered it premiered at the egyptian egyptian in la well apparently this picture was from outside the egyptian i guess during the premiere and there's um big big news camera i guess interviewing dookie flyswatter so if any of you trauma nerds out there know where this footage is please this is my mission to you (laughs) find this footage I'm sure somebody out there knows. Right? Yeah, I, I couldn't find it on YouTube or any any mention of it. So somebody filmed the premiere at the premiere of Surf Nazis Must Die. And there must be a news clipping out there somewhere floating around. I do want to say this, too, about uh, Surf Nazis. When we're talking about like weird just footage. So on the the projection booth, uh, when they're talking about Surf Nazis, they were playing audio from a. Uh, a commercial where you can oh, yeah. order a t-shirt and then Classic. um you found it on on youtube and i'll yeah. share it on the socials but there is a on the old media vhs tape there was a way to get the surf nazis shirts um and yeah. they have very detailed instructions on how to order a t-shirt it's hilarious but it's it's awesome this is they, a time capsule for sure it really is and send your money to a p.o box and hope that it comes and and be sure to write down these exact things on this piece of paper <laughs> yeah it's 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 pretty funny it's, and and one of them is a shirt of the character Mangala. So, and that that shirt. So it's like a, a black sweat, sur- sweatshirt, actually, I believe, or a long yeah, sleeve a, shirt of some kind. It's a sweatshirt. It's a black yeah. sweatshirt. And I want a Dookie sweatshirt. They're so cool. On um, Poultry Guys, uh, Lloyd's daughter Charlotte was wearing that Surf Nazi shirt. Yeah, you can right, see her wearing it. it in the dance number at the end of the oh, movie. Great. Um, and all like all of all the big trauma nerds that were on set were like oh it's sort of like where'd you get it (laughs) yeah it's sort of like a dookie cameo in poultry guys then right yeah watch the dance number and you'll see that surf nazi shirt (laughs) and and i have to add um this is not my pairing but as we were talking i remembered actually the first film i believe that dookie ever filmed for uh was a surf movie called big wednesday oh geez (laughs) do you remember that movie it had jan michael vincent and gary Busey and uh, a young robert england (laughs) um and uh yeah his scene was cut out but he was like an extra in that movie and it was a surf movie that's awesome so there's some good (laughs) trivia for you and 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 more bad kissing in the deleted scenes so further proof of um adolf and ava's relationship being (laughs) f-a-k-e fake yeah (laughs) all righty well it is surf nazis night and you and me decide to do something fun. We're going to have some double dookie going on. Double dookie uh, time. So what is what is your double duke for yes. Surf Nazis Must Die? Well, I chose Star Slammer, The Escape, a.k.a. 
Just Star Slammer, aka Prison Ship, aka The Adventures of Tara, Prison Ship Star Slammer. <laughs> Poacher Style B has only 25 seconds remaining. So knock yourself out. For these excellent sanity, I sentence you to the prison ship Vehemence, where you will live in chains for the next seven years, or until you die, whichever first occurs. So this uh, this is a movie from Fred Olin Ray that came out in I guess 1988, but I imagine it was filmed before then. Um, and it has a lot of parallels to Surf Nazis Must Die. In fact, if you listen to the Projection Booth podcast, you would know that um, I believe this was the first movie Peter George ever worked on. Yeah, I think I had a note in here of what he's the production was. assistant. Yeah, whatever the fuck that means, right? He. he uh... He probably got coffee and and uh, helped sweep the floors. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is a Fred Olin Ray movie. The Dookie actually wrote this, and he was in it. Um, I think there's a better. Yeah, there's a picture of him on the Blu-ray with some crazy pink hair and outfits going on here because he was dating the costume designer at the time. So he got all the best stuff. Um, and be, during. I guess on set of this movie, um, Peter George decided he was going to make surf Nazis and he auditioned Dookie for the role while they were filming this movie. He, they also share um, Don Wildsmith is also in this. Yep. Bobby Breesey is also guest star in this. So a lot of the same cast members, a lot of the same crew carried over. It's a women in prison in space movie. <laughs> and uh, if you want to share another exclusive that's available on our Patreon for the first time ever, like Surf Nazis, I found a song that Haunted Garage wrote, and this is an actual full band recording um, that he wrote for this movie called Space Angels in Cages. Again, it was never used. It was never recorded, never released. Uh, another missed opportunity because, oh boy, the soundtrack of this one is not very good. Angels. 
but it's a very colorful movie. It's a fun movie. It's really stitched together between um, B-roll from different projects that uh, Fred had access to, leftover sets from various like Roger Corman things. There's um, a monster that they borrowed from the Deadly Spawn. Like it's just whatever they could find, they kind of threw it in this this mix, and it's it's a lot of fun. It, I, I have you seen the, it? I haven't had the chance to watch it yet. I watched the oh, trailer. Boy. I'm I'm looking forward to it because John looks, Carradine. It looks ridiculous, but I did go, fun. I did go through and um, find some trauma connections. Uh, oh, good. With this, besides so, the ones we've already talked about, yeah. Like so John Will Wild Smith. And... Yeah, so it's weird that Fred Olin Ray only directed one trauma movie because uh, he's done a ton of stuff. Um, but yeah. he did produce another one called Demented Death Such Farm Massacre. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, one which of his is, more famous ones. That's and that's also a great premiered movie. at the Egyptian and also featuring Dookie Flyspotter. And uh, has Linnea Quigley doing a sexy Linnea chainsaw. Linnea Quigley dance. and uh, Michelle Bauer. Michelle Bauer, of course, is in my documentary. Thank you very much. Um, and let's see. Uh, so Ross Hagen, uh, he's wrote and directed um and acted in merchants of death and wow. he acted he wrote in, and directed huh um and he uh acted in angels wild woman which is uh al admonson movie who also satan sadist gotcha um, that makes sense one of the actors john carradine he was in monster in the closet uh bob ivy did stunts um in tuesday never comes merchants of death and witchcraft um John McCollum, uh, who is the composer of Surf Nazis, did the makeup in uh, in wow. Star Slammer. That's okay. So, yeah, so there I don't, you go. Another, another that's that's kind there. of a weird crossover. Like I could see maybe a lighting guy doing makeup, but the music guy that's kind, yeah. of, kind of funny. Um, but let's see, there a bunch of people worked on Wizards of the Demon Sword just because that's Fred Owen Ray, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the one of the, the wait grips, was that a trauma movie wizards of the demon sword yeah so is, wait uh, he did that's another fred Olin ray trauma movie then yeah mm-hmm. um george scott who was a grip was a producer of redneck zombies and <laughs> i have that on vhs not the new one the old school one yeah i i have the i have an old vhs i took from my when i worked in a video store nice. I, I took my rental copy there's a um, new like like shiny version, right? I I want to get it. It looks pretty yeah. sweet. <laughs> yeah, it does um, look cool. And then the special effects, uh, which you said were stolen from um, Deadly Spawn. Um, Some and, of the, what the creature, one of the creatures was, yeah. But they also did uh, special effects in Night Beast. Um, okay. The Don Dolor film, which is awesome, and I actually did Night Beast a few episodes back. So. And there's a there's a really great um good bad flicks. Uh, episode on youtube about this movie you should really check it out because it really breaks down like where he took all of all of these things and and the new blu-ray uh well not new but the blu-ray version has a commentary by fred olin ray which is always great um lots of insight he's he's uh and we we just got an interview with him for our documentary so he will be in the life and slimes of dookie flyswatter and haunted garage he's he's uh quite the character Oh yeah, Lynn Ray. Yeah, like kind of an like essential how, to our story. And kind of like how Lloyd's just like an off the wall filmmaker character. Fred Olin Ray is in his own right, and like, they will both be in this story. So 
check it's it exciting. out please <laughs> although i haven't seen his interview yet also it's waiting on a hard drive for me yeah <laughs> along with that that film student film so my double dookie i decided to go post-apocalyptic route with the sequel uh, for another film, I went with the 1989 Donald G. Jackson film, Rollerblade Warriors Taken by Force. After the great upheaval, when nature and man conspired against all life, holy crusaders arose from the dust with mystical abilities to heal the afflicted to battle those who kill for the precious remnants of a world laid to waste the cosmic order of rollerblade sends her bravest warrior karen cross to escort gretchen hope an innocent psychic from a mountain monastery to the fiery hell below <laughs> Gretchen knows nothing of love or war, but she can see all that was, is, and will be. She will teach Karen and her sisterhood to protect the afflicted and redeem the damned. Some survivors were driven mad by the times, but they were no less dangerous. The only cure for their malady was the blessing of the sword. Karen Cross wields the cutting edge between life or death. safe escort for Gretchen Hope. But they must survive Hell's Apple and me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what a film this is <laughs> i mean look at that cover right there the, the cover is amazing it's uh, kind cover. of like the graduate but with a thong and a samurai sword <laughs> and uh they're re- wearing roller skates so this is i've <laughs> at that point i only ever okay seen i see one. i've never actually seen that one so you so and, the, uh, michelle bauer's in that right yeah in the original rollerblade i saw a long time ago on vhs and I've always was interested in the sequels. So Rollerblade mm-hmm. post-apocalypse, um, very DIY uh, filmmaking sensibilities. And it's about like these nuns that are on roller skates. There's not actually roller blades, mm-hmm. but right. um, they, they all, you know, fight these weird kind of like mutant type humanoid type people even though they all just like look like regular people for well just to relate this to someone something people might know from him he did do hell comes to Frogtown, so probably yeah the director's most famous movie uh hell comes to frog starring starring roddy roddy piper it's kind of nuts like there is and there's four or five rollerblade movies and they're extremely hard to find i 
I I personally like the the two that I've seen. They're not easy watches by any stretch of the imagination because they're very yeah. rough. But they're I, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, from what I hear, the estate from the estate of Donald Jackson, um, he did not want these ever to come re-released. So that's why there is not DVDs and Blu-rays of these. He was trying to bury these movies, I believe. It's too bad because like they're just so weird. They're I can't so even weird. They are definitely a product of their time. They're very rapey. Yeah. Tr- trigger warning. <laughs> and I can't even like really tell you what they're about. Like it's a post-apocalypse, like just wandering oh, I don't through think the it wind. has any plot, really. Yeah, wandering through the wasteland. There's TNA. Trying to find a virgin. Yeah. For for a monster. And the, the good guys are these nuns who wear bikinis and roller skates and they fight people. I accept this as my future. And there's four four or five of these movies. And I love the ones that I've seen. And if anybody from like one of the retro labels like Vinegar Syndrome or Severance listening, please, please. I talked please. to at least one of them who's <laughs> tried to do it. So yeah, that's the story I hear is I I'm, don't ever expect these to be re-released. <laughs> I don't. That's why I still have a VCR. <laughs> yes, it's videotape. Yeah, and I, I have some things to say about this. First of all, um, I got some great interview footage with uh, Johnny Psycho, who plays um, the guy with the big mohawk in this movie, who says boink a lot. Um, he used to be Dookie's roommate, and they met because of this movie. Um, they lived together. I think Dookie, it may have been when um, I think he broke up with a girlfriend and he was living in Jimmy Maslin's attic writing Blood Diner for him. And um, he got an offer to do this movie, and he's like, hey, Johnny, I should just move in with you so we could drive, drive to set every day or whatever. So that happened. Um, Cle- oh, he's also in... Um, hell comes to Frogtown, i believe somewhere in there uh the big monster in this movie was was made by cleve hall who was one of yeah. the one of these guys and he had a whole series um monster on man. um monster man on sci-fi along with johnny psycho was a character in that and um his his brother kenneth j hall who wrote nightmare sisters and has done all sorts of stuff um Cleve, i don't think i realized that his brother um uh, made nightmare sisters that's cool yeah yeah K- kenneth j hall and um it's it's a tragedy because he died um not i don't think of covid but during the pandemic yeah i he was gonna be interviewed for the documentary um he has a big history with dookie and haunted garage and doing their early special effects in fact haunted garage used to use the monster from this movie in their shows um so there's this movie is just like all sorts of connections to haunted garage yeah johnny psycho uh would end up working for the band as well mostly as a roadie and he's actually cited as the reason why their music got more intense because he introduced dookie to the misfits and ever since then their their little bluesy um you know garage rock band the the tempo went real way faster real quickly and that's how that's why we have the the classic Haunted Garage from you know the 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 Possession Park era and it's awesome. because of this guy Johnny Psycho who um is a makeup guy and and a Hollywood character and 
He's also going to in this movie called Game of Survival that's going to be put out soon by uh, Culture Shock releasing. So awesome. I think I hit all my Haunted Garage connections on this. There's a, there's a lot of them. And, and I asked I asked Michelle Bauer. I, the story goes that she was asked to do this and she refused because it was too rapey. But when I interviewed her, she doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds about right. Sure. I did find some trauma connections on here. Oh, yeah. So I the bet. director, uh, Don, Don Jackson, he was the director of photography for the second um, unit on Class of Newcomb High Part 2 mm. and um, also Twisted Justice. Um, the and someone maybe someone who did makeup for uh, Newcomb High two or three also did effects for Haunted Garage. I'm not sure who. Oh, but... cool! I don't know their makeup guys off the top of my head, yeah, but that's awesome. Either. I mean, I could list some of the Haunted Garage guys, but I don't know if you know if they were involved in the film or not. Not, not without really looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but let's see. Uh, Elizabeth Caitlin, who uh, played Gretchen, she was in uh, Lloyd Kaufman's movie Waitress, uh, which is awesome. Um, wow, the early comedy days of trauma. Yeah, the comedy pre-toxy. That's which it's always kind of fun to see, like when they go yeah. back that far. Yeah, real um, goofball stuff. Susan Solari, who uh, played Cheryl Cross, she was in Newcomb High Two in the Squirrels Gang. Um, another one of the slave girls, she was a bald subhumanoid in uh, Part Two of Newcomb High. Um, we have, you know, some more Wizards of a Demon Sword crossover. Um, then uh, we had Lisa Toothman, who is Slave Girl 1, who is in Witchcraft number 3. And Great. Greg Miller, who is Traitor number 2, was Slick Dick in The Killer Nerd. So, wow. so yeah, some... if you're just a film nerd and you want to watch some, some weird post-apocalyptic stuff uh, filmed in some of the same locations as The Running Man, this is your movie. It looked like they 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 were like, you know what? What's that? Because they filmed like a lot of Star Trek in that uh, area too, and I think the oh, Bat Cave, uh, Bronson Cave, yeah, right. Bronson yeah. Canyon, right? Bronson Canyon, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't know if they used that for this, but it's possible. They, that ends up in a lot of those movies with Dookie. He gets his head ripped off by the Bronson Canyon in uh, in Phantom Empire. Like Red Olin Ray. <laughs> That's the awesome. same head, the same head from uh, Nightmare Sisters. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh well, cool. Um, I think another I think... another movie with uh, Michelle Bauer and Dookie Flyswatter. Civil Danning. <laughs> yeah, and Civil Danning. He's he is uh, quite the the legacy, and I'm super super excited for the documentary to come out. Thank you. Me too. Well, let's finish it. Let's. <laughs> yeah, let's get it finished and funded. It is about the midway point in, in creating it, I would say. And I this is the point where I need your help. Tell all your friends. Let's get that trauma bump. Tell everybody where they can follow you on the socials and the doc on yes. the socials. Well, you can find everything collectively at dookiedoc.com. Uh, D-U-K-E-Y-D-O-C.com. I have to spell it out so you don't go spelling it like that Green Day album cover. D-U-K-E-Y <laughs> is his name. Um, at Dookie Doc on Instagram is where I'm most active. I have a Facebook group called The Life and Slimes of Dookie Flyswatter and Haunted Garage. Uh, I am Kevin Von Esper. I am very easy to find. All these things are very easy to find. Um, check it out. Check out the trailer. Um, give me all your money so we can make some 
lowbrow no yes. highbrow art based on lowbrow material right yes <laughs> something like that you yes. know it's already a star-studded cast i got members of haunted garage green jelly guar the dwarves the adolescents uh brink stevens michelle bauer we're gonna getting lloyd kaufman fred olin ray um bill mosley is in this thing just like uh carl crew from blood diner and cia which we talked about a lot Kara top from the chicken heads i mean you name it they're gonna be they're in this thing so check awesome. it out yes check it it's out worth, it's worth supporting <laughs> please heck yeah and then and get some cool stuff at least get a sticker come yeah, on get a sticker i'm gonna get a sticker five five bucks i mean that's that's a good badge of honor for supporting this documentary project. yes <laughs> and as a special treat we're gonna close the episode out with a song from slender man and other strange tales by haunted garage the last song that haunted garage had recorded surf nazis they must die and then everybody out there you can follow me on twitter and instagram at lego larry you can follow the show on twitter at talking trauma and as always stay traumatized